different person since you saw me I feel like a black sheep, you only know the old me Fuck the phonies, chains for my brothers Chains for my sisters, nothing for the phonies Yeah, what's up phonies, yeah, what's up phonies Pretend like you know me, I'll pretend that we're homies I'm a real one, won't pretend like we're homies What's up phonies, yeah, what's up phonies What's up, how'd I get this fucked up? I was sober, it was over It was darkness in the abyss Now it's like this Things fake for me, funny Keep it this thing, got a pin on Keep me up, I'll be good at something Fuck messages, what you need from me? I try, can't seal my lips Can't sit next to me, why you being funny? Better make plans, my friend Cause nigga be tough, fight, get money We be the dog, make it his homie For shit, some shit home Be geek, we keep Favorites like a real homies Yeah, what's up phonies? Yeah, what's up phonies? Pretend like you know me I'll pretend that we're homies I'm a real one, won't pretend like we're homies Yeah, what's up phonies? Yeah, what's up phonies? Podcast so wet, you're gonna need a mop. Um, this week we are Eric Stevens presents Dudes Rock. Um, it's been a long week <laughs> since our last podcast, as this is a weekly podcast, so it's that 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 counts as one week since the last time we podcast. Um, I mean, we I agree. We, we did an episode, you know, basically explaining it, and and we took some time off, and uh, it was good. Um, Kind of. <laughs> as good as it can be. Um, I don't know. Quentin, what did you think of our, our, our layoff here? I mean, like, wrestling never really acknowledged any of these issues. Uh, Jordan Devlin still hasn't tweeted since June. Um, granted, he actually went the legal route with his accusation, so I can understand that, but people have uh, completely disappeared off of Twitter. Uh... Jacob Blake got shot seven times and is now paralyzed, yeah. while uh, Kyle Rittenhouse got to not show up to court because he didn't feel like it, and uh, they'll just delay the hearing. So, yeah, a lot of things are still going on. So, just try to stay sane like I was before, just reading more books, being like a baby abolitionist as far as like my... Uh, social, economical, and political views at this point, and just trying to educate myself more and, you know, I guess feel more educated as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the only thing you can do. I mean, it's so difficult to even think about, like, what can you do? And there's, like, you know, the talk of logging off, Twitter's not the real world, go out and, you know, interact with people, and that's a better chance of actually changing hearts and minds than you have by posting everything online. Um, I know I've been. Oh, my brother! My, my oh, my brother is an All Lives Matter person. Oh, apparently. I didn't know. How... Yeah, um, I didn't know that until a couple of days ago. That's fun. Um, 
And for those who don't know, my brother is taller than me. Um, he's, he's, he's my younger brother. He's taller than me. He has a lot of hair, like big dude, just like people, like the people who've seen me know, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty like muscular dude. Same can be said about my brother, like big, tall black dude, pretty much. And we were cleaning up our basement. And the next thing I know, he t- t- takes off his hoodie to unveil an All Lives Matter shirt. Uh, so yeah, you can imagine that was you can imagine that was a pretty interesting night. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Unfortunately, I've had. Um, yeah, not. I luckily have not had anything like that <laughs> happening to me. Um, I've literally interacted uh, with <laughs> nothing but people who agree with me. So, you know, um, or at least it's, 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 more, it's more. So here's here's the funny thing about him, right? Like, he completely acknowledges that policing is bad and that cops need to be completely, like, retold, retrained, retaught into how, like, what their first instinct is. But the all lives matter part comes in because it's because he seems to think that, like, his, his, more, his, more, his stance is more that he thinks the police treat everyone shitty equally. It's, it's a really weird spin on the all lives matter thing and it's uh, it's so funny because in the context of what you were just talking about i was literally thinking about this earlier today just kind of to myself in that like people talk about the systemic racism of policing and it's very clearly there but it's also kind of like you know I, I, i unfortunately i i've tried very hard to not pay attention to the details kyle witten whatever um the thing is is like you can say it's it's a racial issue, but it's almost also not necessarily completely a racial issue as much as it is like the cops see him and he's on their side and they know that he's on their side. You know what I mean? So he gets oh, yes. better treatment. So like to say that it's, you know, black and white people get treated differently. I mean, or both get treated poorly, I, I guess. Um, but it's not true statistically. Black people get treated worse statistically. And that, that yeah, is like, true. Like, like, we, like we, we kind of told him like, like he's probably like getting his like getting information from like places that like are specifically gonna leave out like certain like criteria and parameters in order to like make the numbers fair because remember like white people are the majority of the United of the United States population so like if you like if when you when you adjust for everything and then you see the rates at which black people are arrested and killed and put in jail. You see how disproportionate it is. But when you just look at raw totals, of course, be like, well, white people are more jails. White people are killed more by the police. Yeah, just based off raw numbers, because there's more of them. If you're not looking at like the other things that make the, the stats fair, right? Of course, of course, of course, it's not going to look like that. Right, and and you know that's another thing as you talk about that, like the statistics and and, and the kind of the the makeup of the United States. Because I heard someone mention it, and they said, uh, you know, right now people in america under 15 are majority non-white and that's a great statistic and it can bring you hope if you don't know history and understand that like white supremacists you know white like racists they understand just as well as the wokest you know black person or 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 anti-racist person that uh, race is a fucking construct and white supremacists and and the bigots will when we when they get outnumbered and they're less majority white, they just accept and indoctrinate new classes into being white. And historically, those people who get accepted into being white take it because of the privilege that that entails. It's like Ita- Italians weren't considered they white. They they, oh, go ahead. Yeah, like or 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 like 
like, like the history of people being white passing is like they just didn't want to fucking die. Right. So it's like if now, if now the majority of people are going to be non-white because they're you know all these like they're, they're all these ethnic backgrounds are mixed together. Like if they get the white passing label, like that, like that's fine for them because like you know they get certain privileges. But historically, that uh, white passing was just so you didn't get fucking killed. Right. But yeah, my point is like it's. You can try to say like, oh, all we have to do is wait, and it's gonna—it's like no, because what all that will happen, and fucking—I've seen it happen because you know I've t- I've mentioned it offhandedly here a little bit, but like being involved in ARA stuff, which was like the the kind of the proto Antifa online looking and dealing with like white supremacists, like hunting people down online to basically try to out them in real life. I I did a lot of that stuff in the late '90s and early 2000s, and. I've seen it fucking happen. The the white supremacists, the Nazis, the neo-Nazis, all of them, they love to take someone who... It doesn't matter if they're pure... If they would be considered pure by, you know, the Third Reich standards as a white person, they will indoctrinate them and tell them, like, you're white. Because, again, race is a fucking construct, and they know it. The racists know it probably better than half of the non-racists, just, like, normie people who aren't involved in the conversation, who actually believe that there is some scientific backing to race when there isn't. It's just a social construct to the point where, like, yeah, the, the white supremacists understand it as well, and they will instantly, like, you can't, we can't just sit back and wait and say, well, because the majority of people under 15 are not, they don't consider themselves white now, well, that's now, and eventually they'll just consider themselves white. Like I was saying, I mean, Italian people were not considered white at a time, they're basically white now, no one, like, really argues and says that they're not white. Jewish people were definitely not considered white for a very long time, and now basically, uh, un- except for, like, extreme cases, pretty much everyone will accept them as white you know what i mean there's a lot of things like fucking greeks like middle eastern people can, yeah greek greek people can easily be accepted where people will go like over time they'll just say they're white and if you're oh you know i could Armenian, you know now like now we're getting to the point yeah. like armenians yeah. like and stuff like that and even latino people i mean i could definitely see second third generation american latino people they're just gonna be like you're white you know you're, you're not you're not uh, non-white and they will just accept it because like I said it comes with privilege and it comes with like you said not being killed to where why are you going to argue with it if if that's your frame of reference for it a lot of minorities and people of color who come to America like they're coming here for a better life and for the longest time America part of the better life was the life that white people had so for them it's like oh if I'm getting to become one of them that's a good thing you know, and it and it really fucking sucks. Oh, of course. So that's why we have to fight and actually try to make a difference and not say it's just a waiting game. Because I hear people fucking use those statistics and try to point it out and say, well, America's not going to be majority white soon enough. And it's like, no, it, America will always be majority white if you let it. Because the people who make the rules about who's white are always going to try to make sure that they're the majority. And that's why we have to fucking stomp them out. We have to, like, stop them from existing. This is, again, why I got involved in that stuff when I was younger, because of how passionate I am about the fact that you can't... We can't just sit back and expect it to go away, because that's not how it works. Yeah, you, you can't just, like, pl- like, plug your fingers in your ears and just, like, close your eyes and be like, oh, well, like, 50 years later, like, oh, we have, like, more ethnically diverse... Like, ethnic, ethnically uh, uh, mi- mixed backgrounds walking, walking around the Earth now walking around America now and think that like racism and colorism and uh, classism based up based off race and dividing people based off race isn't still going to be a thing like racism racism will just adapt itself (laughs) exactly I mean exactly it's not it's not going away on its own folks it's just it's really not Um, 
But, uh, yeah, so that's what we've been up to. Both of us basically probably getting more and more indoctrinated in, you know, the positive side of things, at least. Hopefully, um, trying to combat the, uh, the negatives. I, I, have a, I, have a, I have an update because I remember uh, at one point, at, one, at, some, at several points on the podcast that you mentioned, like, how you're, like, completely, like, anti-prison uh, system at all. And, ter- and, like, you'd rather see different things in, ter- in, pl- in in place of like a punitive yeah. justice system so i read this book called love with accountability and yeah i, I, I guess I, I was pretty much there with you mostly but i still had that place in my heart where like you know like rapists murderers pedophiles like that kind of thing where like i still felt like they would like they should have been like you know facing some kind of jail time based off like just how i always like thought about it and perceived it but I've read that Love with Accountability book and like all the ideas that are, that are presented in there, and yeah, I'll say that I came, that I that I came back from that and it changed my and it changed my thinking on that for sure to where like I'm definitely more like complete like prison system abolishment, like whole, like whole stop than like you know trying to make exceptions based off of, well like they people don't have to go to jail but like the rapists and murderers and pedophiles they definitely should go to jail like I. That, that that definitely like changed my mind more than like I read uh Our Presence Obsolete by Angela Davis and all that and all that kind of stuff. So like I my 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 view has changed. Even like in like a short amount of time, like the last three months since we've done the podcast, uh my my view has changed uh a pretty good bit. Yeah, I mean it goes hand in hand. If you're someone who seriously cares about social justice, I don't see how you can look at the prison system that we have at least at least look at it now and not, and say that it's fine because it's it's there's a lots and major parts of it that are inhumane and they're they're not even feigning like an attempt to make things better it's just basically trying to right. fix a negative with more negative and and obviously that doesn't work and 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 not and not, and not only that like we're a, we're a nation that's more based in consequences than prevention so, and like so, we'll, so we'll so we'll bolster our police units and have more people out there ready to arrest people and send people to jailhouses and make them make bonds and go face trials and get lawyers and go, and eventually go to jail. Then we are like preventing people from even making it to that point. And so when you say that, right. especially when it comes to people who like might have uh, you know tr- trigger trigger warning for people and like you know, like like child sexual abuse, like if someone did that like sending them to jail doesn't like change that especially when it's a black person and like you know you just between continuing like the generational cycle of people getting sent to jail and being humiliated and traumatized and embarrassed like when you send some when you send someone to jail that's not fixing the problem you're just putting them through you're just putting that person through you know torment and punishment and whether you think that's the right thing to do like if a child sexual abuse survivor feels that they want someone to go to jail like who am i tell them that they can't have feel like feel like someone wants to go to jail but overwhelmingly the people the people like in that book who like when it's like in this uh majority essay from people who are actual survivors of sexual assault they are they're all saying that like we don't like that doesn't change anything that doesn't make us feel any better what make us feel any better is to know that like we're like we create a society where we like we make sure that this type of thing isn't even okay and we prevent this from even like being a thought and then when it is a thought we snuff it out we explain why this is wrong 
and were able to like move on that way rather than punishing somebody and continuing the cycle and nothing ever gets solved. No one gets therapy. No one gets this in, like gets this counseling to figure out the problems and uh and they would have like, hash things out. It's just oh he's in jail, problem solved, and then no one no one gets any closure. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and it is like most vengeance and kind of punitive justice is f- usually for the bereaved. I mean, most of the time when you hear people who are begging for you know justice to be served in in that form it's it's most of the time the person who's survived from someone who's been killed you know more than the people who had the things happen to them because yeah the victims a lot of times victims of of violent crimes don't turn around and and their instant reaction to it is to you know have something negative happen to the person who who perpetrated it on them because like again like you said it's not going to change anything i mean it's just I have my personal experiences in my past and I know that if anything, you know, any of the things that have happened to me in the past, like nothing's going to fucking change the, the, the fact that there's like major issues, you know, or, or psychological things that like affect me day to day and the choices that I make that are based on stuff that happened. Nothing's going to change that by having the person who did it go to jail. You know, it's like the way that I'm going to have to deal with it is through therapy and through like, you know, that kind of stuff and like meditation, things like that, that actually help deal with the problems. Putting someone in jail doesn't do anything for me. But again, like I said, when when it's not you and you're just thinking about someone trespassed, someone that you care about, it's really easy to get caught up in the idea that like the best thing to do about it is to put that person in jail. You know, you know, it is what it is. Um. (laughs) <laughs> wrestling <laughs> big weekend in wrestling huh um we talk about it a little bit you say wrestling hasn't dealt with you know especially the the speak out movement they haven't really done much about it um black lives matter i mean i guess the the closest positive that we can look at for wrestling when it comes to black lives matter and it's a company that me and you have both been critical of in the past for these issues is gcw and they have kind of a new talent initiative that is, you know, a lot of people of color. Um, specifically, you know, three very talented black men who obviously aren't getting their spots because of, you know, tokenism or because of the Black Lives Matter stuff because they deserve the treatment that they're getting so far, but are definitely being treated like big deals. Um, and then that kind of happening in GCW extends to other promotions, including like Black Label Pro, who's been really tightly associated with GCW now. But we've got obviously AJ Gray, who was really the first one, former GCW champion at this point, starting to make a name for himself in GCW working death matches, which we'll talk about maybe one of them um, here tonight on a show that I, I, I ch- checked out. Um, and uh, Calvin Tankman, who obviously me and you had, I think, reviewed couple of his matches in the past and we're both pretty high on him um and lee moriarty another guy that we and you had talked about in the past and are high on um but definitely you know it's it's a good thing to see them getting a shot in the biggest promotion the biggest indie company even if it is terrible and all their shows mostly suck um seeing some guys who deserve what they're getting and may have not gotten it based on their booking patterns just a fucking few months ago the fact that we looked at gcw cards and we're like how many people of color on these shows and it was like almost impossible to find anybody like homicide maybe you know like 
so that's kind of cool, I guess, in some ways. It seems like Black Lives Matter movement has affected wrestling at least a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more than speaking out has. I guess. I, I didn't even say that they like that they did this kind of initiative. I'm not gonna lie, like I I had been so checked out of professional wrestling, especially like when like basketball came back. My fo- my focus more with like more with, like watching watching basketball and reading. So good on G- good on GCW. Like I know I know uh, AJ had already been there, but who, who were the three talents that they that they started bringing in for GCW? Uh, like oh, okay. Moriarty, uh, Tankman, okay, and, right, and AJ right. Gray are the guys who are getting they're getting used. Unfortunately, I think this weekend maybe Moriarty had like one GCW match this weekend. Um, it was obviously last weekend, I guess, right? Um, and uh, and Tankman he was on the the BLP show. He didn't, but they have been being used somewhat in GCW and and seem like they're getting to the point where they're going to be, you know, pushing them moving forward. So, you know, three guys, again, like three, three of the best wrestlers going right now. I think that there's no question in that, honestly. Um, as far as I'm concerned, like Moriarty and Tankman are the two guys who I'm the most excited to watch wrestle right now in general. Um, so it's kind of like awesome to see them getting a shot, even if it is, like I said, in GCW, a company where I don't necessarily super care about their shows, but they're at least giving them some, uh, some solid bookings. Um, so... We both watched Eric Steven Presents Professional Wrestling. Like I said, if we're talking about uh, um, the kind of wrestling from last weekend. Um, did you watch the other Black Label Pro show? I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to do that story? one yet, no. Okay. Um, I watched some of it, but it's nothing that really needs to be talked about too so, much. So definitely not as good um, as uh, the Eric Stevens well, Professional Wrestling show. No, 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 no. The Eric Stevens show. Eric Stevens show was probably the show of the weekend, I think. Um, pretty easily, I would say. Um, the Honestly, the second runner-up, and I don't think that you watch this one at all, Tournament of Survival would be the I second didn't, I didn't even know, show I didn't, of the weekend. I didn't even know that GCW ran Tournament of Survival, so I definitely put that down because I always like watching that tournament. Yeah, it was it was kind of a matinee show, I think. I think that they they honestly didn't even do it as like the main thing, which is crazy to think about because usually used to be that was kind of their their bread and butter was their deathmatch tournaments, right? But I think that they had the um that was the show. Actually, I guess it was two different days. But that was the first day show and then the second day show was the Jimmy Lloyd Spring Break. Um which was really good if you only watched like the first three matches and then just didn't watch any of the rest of the show, um, including the uh, Joey Janela versus Alex Zane match. Unfortunately, Alex Zane is a uh, very good, but he's not a miracle worker just yet because um, that match was uh, long and bad. I will say bad, and I will say that Janela talking shit to Joseph uh, on Twitter was wrong <laughs> because the match was bad and there's tons of people who didn't like it. Tournament of Survival, though, like I said, very good. Um, the I'll go over it a little bit because you didn't watch it. Just to uh, I won't. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess I, I have to spoil. Do you mind or like? Okay, so the reason why it was good was, I mean, it's been a long time. I was thinking about it. I was watching it, and especially with kind of the aura, the specter of uh, of of Danny Havoc looming over GCW in general, and unfortunately with the unfortunate passing of him, um, right around the time that we stopped doing podcasts. So we haven't even mentioned it here. Um, yeah, Danny Havoc passing away, 
And I was thinking about it, and I was like, the the four four zero. I'm not comparing them to Nation of Intoxication directly, um, like in the level of quality, but in the sense that you don't really see a lot of uh, stables that are like deathmatch heavy guys in indie wrestling. It's like in a long time. It's been a while since you've really seen that. Like even CZW, GCW, places like that, they'll have stables, but they usually the deathmatch guys don't really have stables because you know usually deathmatch guys are. You know, those kind of freaks and loner types, the weirdos, the kind of people who don't build friendships with other groups. You might have a deathmatch tag team um, like Cyclope and uh, Medio Extrema um, in the past. You know, there's some other kind of deathmatch focused tag teams um, that you'll see every now and then. Um, but uh, but not many stables, especially not in America. Um, and 440 being a stable that has... You know, Ricky Shane Page, your mileage may vary. Some people love him. Some people hate him. Um, I'm not, I'm kind of mixed. I, I like him personally. I think he seems like a really cool guy in general. I know a lot of people who know him. I don't know him personally, but as a person, I like him. I think he's a decent wrestler. Um, and like, you know, I think that he, he has size. He comes across like a main eventer. Him having the championship doesn't seem insane. Um, he's built his way up for having credibility in deathmatch type promotions, having like worked at IWA Mid South, um, doing a ton of deathmatches there, CZW doing a ton of deathmatches, and then now GCW being the champion, also being a deathmatch guy, and being a heel and being the leader of a faction of other deathmatch workers is pretty interesting to me, and helped to create a tournament that had a really good storyline all the way through. You get to the the final four, and three of the final four are all members of 440. Um, which includes, you know, a match that's a semifinal match that is two members of the group just kind of beating the shit out of each other. You get all the way to the final with Ricky Shane Page really having a super light <laughs> night for a death match. I mean, he barely gets busted open. He's not really bleeding. And it really helps to put over that in the end, like, he goes against Alex Colon, who's really hitting right now as the top right. deathmatch worker in America. Um and bring in the fucking violence. And, I mean, they bring out the contraptions, and it's, like, light tube log cabins, these weird fucking just insanely built, like, structures. It's just bloody death. Um, so having seen Ricky Shane Page kind of skate his way as the champion with his stable, he skates his way to the top. He's got all of these other deathmatch guys that are his, like, his entourage. He makes it to the finals, and then he gets taken through hell, just dragged through fucking light tube shard hell for the finals is really was really fucking cathartic and super cool so you know you got nick gage on commentary because he's injured so you can't even uh he can't even defend himself in in the middle of his big feud with ricky shane page which you get a little catharsis with him calling the action as alex cologne just yeah again takes him to hell and it's it's i mean yeah i mean in 2020 with wrestling the way it is the stuff like you know eric stevens pre presents professional wrestling and uh, GCW Tournament of Survival having like a really heavy storyline because I'm not one of these people who's like I've I I there have been Tournament of Survivals that I've really liked and there have been some that I right. thought were complete duds I really it really depends on the show and this was a good story driven tournament that I think really delivered to where like these are <laughs> these are in the conversation for show of the year to me because they're like shows that are delivering you in ring and with story building stakes going through so it's like fuck i mean you know that's what that's what 2020 is right now is either the kind of shows that are like fun and interesting and 
cool to watch unfortunately this is like the the cream of the crop and it, it's again in any other year i don't think that i would be as high on the not to say as high I'm, I'm as high as i am on it objectively whatever i enjoyed it as much as i did but i would say comparatively it's like in the conversation for show of the year for me right now um just because there's very little to compare it to you, you definitely sold me on going and checking out tournament survival i already wanted to but like you know, like that's really if GCW has always been like a fun like grab bag promotion, but if like there's really like a story story going on through this tournament survival, then I'm definitely interested to go and check that out. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's 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 kind of a interesting and rare thing to see because four four zero is again like heels who are deathmatch guys in a heavy deathmatch promotion in a stable is not something you see regularly, so. You know that's it's kind of interesting to see, and it and it works really well for the story that they tell there. Um, otherwise, I mean, NXT. Did you watch any of of Takeover? I. I... <laughs> well, 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 whatever match Johnny Gargano was in, I can't remember Queen Face, but I watched some of it, and then I turned that shit off. I was like, no, okay. yeah, like no, not yeah, doing yeah, this yeah. today. <laughs> Yeah, I can't blame you. There's a ladder match on there that's fucking terrible. Is, like, is that the one Gargano was in? Uh, yeah, Gargano was in the it was in the the ladder match, and yeah, and the wall, the fucking the screen with the faces on it was driving me nuts the whole Dude, night. Dude, can we talk, can we talk about it. Killer Cross? Um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Killer Cross because we haven't talked about him at all, really. Let's. Uh, what do you What do you have to say about uh, Carrying like, Cross? Can we can we just talk about how he's maybe like the wrestler that like has marketed himself the way to the top more than any wrestler in history? Like, like yeah, it's, from it's... his indie run where he was like a uh was it was he so is he SoCal or North Cal or, or North Cal? Neither. N- neither. Vegas. He okay. is Vegas. He's a Las Vegas guy, and you know I am from Southern California, and and the the kind of Southwest scene intermeshes here and there. But also, a really good friend of mine lives in Vegas, so he would talk to me about Future Stars of Wrestling, and I would check out what I could see from there. And he was a Future Stars of Wrestling guy, so I saw Killer Cross, Carrying Cross, like years and years ago. I've been seeing this fucker for so goddamn long, <laughs> and it's it's. Really interesting because, like you said, I, I've always been okay with him. I think I like the intensity. I like what he brings. I've never said he's a great wrestler. Obviously, he's not. But I've always like appreciated it. But I definitely thought, unfortunately, it's just never going to happen for this guy. Like he's got something, but it's just going to always get overlooked because I don't. Uh, you know, I just assume not. But the fact that he fucking he's doing it is really impressive, like- man. From his, like because he, he wasn't some indie star, he got like some big looks. I remember like the biggest look he got pre Lucha Underground was like a Thatcher match. Um, then works his way through Lucha Underground, like turns that into like this impact run where he like becomes like this like cult favorite guy, and it's like all done through like his promos, his look, the his like the act between him and Scarlet, like. And then he carries that over into coming in and, like, winning the NXT title within, like, what? Like, four or five months of him signing with the company? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, and holds the title and, for and, a and night. This, and this isn't maybe? the guy that like did PWG, like did evolve, like like a <laughs> he, I think he did do some did do some AW shots, a couple, I guess, right? Yeah, AAW. AAW? Because because him coming because of him scholar being the guy. Uh actually I don't know that he ever Jesus did. Jesus Christ. I don't know that he worked AAW. Oh no wait, he did. He did. He say, had like, a couple he could... matches. Okay. Oh, but it, the, he the, they were fucking late 2009 or 2019 and so, 2020. So when he, like, when he was free, he, he only he was... worked there super Jesus fucking Christ. recent. <laughs> when he was already like in TNA, basically. Like this dude <laughs> managed to somehow completely bypass the super indie system into going to Lucha Underground. Yeah. Becoming a big player on Impact. And then coming in and being the NXT champion. Like, that is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Dude, but the thing is, is uh, okay, so I knew, I had heard, again, I knew about him, I had heard about him from, from Future Stars of Wrestling Vegas, all that stuff. He had worked a couple shots in Southern California. I've seen him live a few times. Like I said, always appreciate him, all right, whatever. But uh, I heard that he was in Lucha Underground, but he didn't even work in Lucha Underground that much. He was on TV twice he was getting hype from dark matches on lucha underground tapings he wasn't even on the tv he was on the tv two fucking times people talk that's why i always thought it was weird because people talk about him as a lucha underground guy and i was always like was he really because i know that he didn't show up until the end i knew he had been working dark matches and he was working this weird gimmick with like an alarm clock and the tiktok thing and all that stuff but he only showed up on TV twice. So the idea that he was even a Lucha Underground guy is like he, 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 giving he, him a lot of credit for he, he barely like doing that, anything like, there. L- like the London like Rabbit Tribe thing, right? But, 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 by, that point, but by that point, people right. had already yeah, stopped he, watching Lucha Underground. Yes. So he was barely on Lucha Underground. He's, like you said, skipped all of the super indies. And somehow, like... He gets talked about by people like normie types who don't actually wa- watch indies or pay attention to like wrestling outside of the big companies. He gets talked about as if he has indie cred, like he's an indie guy. People just accept it because I find it interesting because I've been like kind of listening to some some like podcasts with people who just don't pay attention to the indies at all. And it's like I see how their frame of reference works because they don't really understand what they're talking about with certain stuff. Like, I was hearing some people talk about, like, the, the concept of a gender-neutral title, and they were like, I've, I don't know that that exists. And the closest thing that anyone could come up with, with, like, an idea of a gender-neutral title, was they referenced um, the, what's his name, the, the the Kitty Diddler that was in WWE for way too long. Um, ah, fuck. El oh, um, no, yeah, uh, James you know Ellsworth. James like he had a he did like the Andy Kaufman gimmick where he wrestled women uh, for an intergender title but I'm like as they're talking I'm just like these people have no fucking clue that OTT exists and that they literally have an expressly gender neutral title because they can't they have no frame of reference for that being something that exists at all and those kind of people they think that Killer Cross was this big deal on the indies they like just accept that he was, but he really wasn't. He didn't exist on the indies. He worked like some triple A shots, TNA. That's like it. That's all he really did. But he comes into NXT and he's got like 
oh, this is a guy from the indies, and he's got that indie cred, but actually, but do you look at him, you know? And, like, he's got that cred. He's got, like, MMA shoot fighter cred because he's, like, trained with Josh Barnett and stuff. Like, this guy, like you said, he is, he's a paper tiger, but he fucking makes it work. People believe that he's all of these things. If you haven't been paying attention, haven't been watching, people legitimately believe he's an indie star, he's a shoot fighter, he's you know now he's a fucking WWE superstar. He's gonna, like, look, all him, this like, stuff, look but at Drew he's Galloway, none of it. right? And like look at like the hell that Drew Galloway went through just to get <laughs> back to his spot. Killer Cross yes. is gonna be a WWE champion in like two years, facing fucking like Batista. I know. It's like fifty. It was like fifty sixth like birthday or some shit. Like, oh my fucking god! Which was a yeah. match that almost yeah. happened. That's another thing. Future Stars of Wrestling because they're in Vegas, and because they like work with all the MMA companies. Batista almost did a shoot fight, like a shoot style wrestling match with Killer Cross in Future Stars of Wrestling, like. This motherfucker, he's really, like, something else. It's, it is amazing, because, like, Chris Bay, shout out to Chris Bay in TNA calling himself the ultimate <laughs> finesser, but I'm sorry, he was, he's stealing that gimmick, he was watching Killian Cross when he was talking about <laughs> finessers, because this motherfucker has finessed himself it's an- to the top <laughs> of, like, he... <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. He's the most talked about guy in WWE right now. Like, from getting injured, from coming in, being a big deal, squashing all these motherfuckers, winning the championship, and then going out. Like, who else in WWE like you, has like you any know fucking what? buzz Like, you right know now? what? Keith when he Lee, comes back, like, he shouldn't even be on NXT. He should just go to the main roster. <laughs> he should just go to the main That's roster. That's what I was saying. I said this shit. I'm like... This is perfect for him. He doesn't have to have a bad title run where everyone sees that he's exposed and isn't a good wrestler. He just... You can just... It's the same as his fucking indie cred. It's the same as all of his cred. Now they can just say, former NXT champion, Karrion Cross, and people who don't fucking pay attention won't realize that he was champion for like three seconds because he separated his shoulder. And then he shows up. And I'm telling you, Raw Underground is built for this motherfucker. And there's rumors that Shane's going to take over like... Um, booking creative for for <laughs> Raw in general. So if all of Raw basically turns into Raw Underground, you're telling me Karrion Cross is not a Shane guy? Like, Karrion Cross is a total Shane McMahon guy, because Shane loves MMA shit. This is, like, his dude. And, like, I could definitely see him showing up, him and Babatunde just fucking, fucking tear it up in some fucking shoot style match, Cross and, and then basically Cross off and to the races. <laughs> going at it. <laughs> this this <laughs> fight club shit. Yes. I mean, fuck, dude. If if for some reason Raw turns into Enochiism, which seems insane, but it's like not that far off from happening, like Karrion Cross can easily be the fucking Enochiism WWE champion. Like he fits everything they want. His goofy ass intro, like his his intro and in the music. I saw it for the first time, basically on the NXT uh, thirty. I had I just I skip over that shit for the most part when I'm watching. NXT, I like I skip as much of everything as I can and just watch what I like want to see the wrestling for the most part. That fucking entrance is bad, and I had heard people talking about it. It used to be worse, I guess, but I was watching it and I was like, "What the fuck is this? This is insane!" It's like so far <laughs> off from professional wrestling. Like it to me, it does not. It's <laughs> I I know that this is fucking crazy to say for a lot of people who are like 
my age or even a little bit younger, but like professional wrestling is supposed to theoretically be a sport. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's my frame of reference for appreciating professional wrestling is that in some way it's a sport. Karrion Cross's entrance is not anything that would ever happen in the context of any sport <laughs> ever. Um, it's fucking insane. Like, like, like this like, is, it's almost like, what the, the like fuck the is going on? Funniest thing I can think of just like maybe like even like, you know, inappropriate, but like even like close to like what Karrion Cross does. Like, remember the fucking, uh, like, t- like teenage kid that like convinced everyone that he was like, like a, like complete adult, like gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh like, 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 it was like, yeah, I, I have no yes. idea what you're talking about. Just like, no, like you're, like you're 15 years old. Like, how, like how are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, ma'am. Uh, I've seen a lot of cooters, and yours is fucked up. Um, yeah, that's the like. How, like, how did you get here? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, did your mom drop you off? Like. Yeah, and and he's got Scarlet outside the ring for him, so that is kind of his mom that dropped him off, which is weird because I saw that and like I as I would have assumed that she was a big part of the act, but Dude, she was like barely the there, and she's wearing like this. <laughs> like he's the no, show. He's like, the show. Like you would think, you would like, think based that... off like how people talk about him, like talk about them, like, they were like just like this big, like they play off of each other. Like there's this like a lot of chemistry. It's like yeah, no, like there's really it's really him. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, no, I was thinking, just based on my history of having watched him, I was thinking this is like right. Mark Marrow and Sable, where it's like she's the she's what everyone cares about. She's super hot. Everyone wants to pay attention to her. And he's, like, just her husband, boyfriend, who's there. But, like, no, man, when I was watching The Takeover, like, they, he is legitimately a star. He is, he is the show, and she is, like, just happens to be there. They don't even treat her like she's important, which is crazy because... On top of the fact that, like, again, Scarlet definitely hits that quadrant for me of the thing where, like, I don't get it when people do the, like, she is so particularly hot. Because I'm just, like, she looks as good as all of the girls in wrestling. There's, like, a lot of girls in wrestling, and they all look really good, and she looks the same as all of them. But people talk about her like she's particularly hotter, and I I think that's very odd, whatever. But she can also wrestle. (laughs) Like, she's had good matches. And they treat her like she is a complete afterthought to Karrion Cross. She, she is, she is only there to to basically get him over. I mean, she just like she's but, completely but thing, subservient like, to him. In and this time he, and again, place, like even though like they were, even though they're the, even though they're package deal, she like she didn't also like pretty much didn't even need to be here. Like, but the fact that there's like no crowds, like she, yeah, she didn't even need to be here. <laughs> like that, like that, like that's what makes the entire thing even funnier. Yeah. Like, if we had crowds, then maybe this would look different. But because like. This is straight up playing in the Killer Cross's like best case scenario where there's no crowd and he can come in and just look menacing and dark and brooding and shit. Like he could like he didn't even need this. Yeah. No, he could have he could have easily done this same act and been at the same level that he is without her there. And now she's there and like hopefully they keep her around. Hopefully they like her. They don't have any issues with her. I mean, you know, cuz like good for her I guess basically is my only point there and like maybe they can let her wrestle at some point because like I said she's she's not bad like she she always gets historically overlooked as a wrestler and I actually think that she's nah. pretty good and she's had some matches that I've actually really enjoyed so you know like whatever <laughs> but people can just uh just be really into carrying cross but there I think people are into him 
I'm hearing people who legitimately are enjoying him, and like I said, like we're both saying, like you're saying, like he fucking did it, man. He's he's living the goddamn dream. This is um, this is America, like this is how it works. You just like you just put on the face and you show up and you like make weird fucking eyes to the to the camera and they and fill the ring like, up with and smoke you, and, you, and, you, and you get smart. to be the champion. <laughs> like like I like I got yeah. like, I got nothing bad to say about him. Like you know, good job, man. <laughs> like. Fuck it. Like I said, I've always been fine with him. I'm not one of these because I know people who fucking no. But I'm, I'm, I remember uh, like just cannot. I remember stand the dude Bill Thompson that used to write for Wrestling with Words. And he, like, he reviewed this yes. Timothy Thatcher and Killer Cross match, and Killer Cross talked to him like dude, like, <laughs> and they had like this whole exchange because he just thought like Killer Cross was complete dog shit in that match, and pretty much didn't even belong in the same ring as Thatcher, and Cross found it. And it was just like the weirdest exchange ever. Oh my god. That is so good. Like, I mean, to be honest, I won't say that he's like wrong. Like, maybe Cross doesn't belong in the same ring as Thatcher, but like, fuck Keep it. On, I mean, this, this, he's there. This, is, this is Cross from like, five, it, from, like, from like four or five years ago, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, he was even worse back then, guys. If you, believe that if you can. Um,. But speaking of someone who was not worse back then, is Thatcher, who's also in NXT like, right oddly, now, like, which is crazy. Even, to even think. though I haven't watched any of the stuff, like I'm going to at some point, like I'm getting told by everyone, like everyone's opinions who I like value in wrestling, they're like they're actually kind of using him, okay? <laughs> yes, yeah, they're do. They've done great with him, dude. Like it's it's nuts. The Thatches Thatch can promos or vignettes or whatever ha- have been. Amazing. Like, really some of the best shit in wrestling, let alone, like, just the quality. Of, and, like, it adds a lot of depth to Thatcher's character. Thatcher's knocking it out of the park, which, like, me and you have talked about this over and over again. The idea of, like, people, guys, wrestlers, people who, who, who people say have no charisma, no personality. When it's, like, they do and you can see it. It's just, like, you aren't, you don't see it because you're not paying attention to the subtleness. Thatcher's one of those guys. I mean... I've been on record multiple times saying that I think that Thatcher's a great technical wrestler, but he gets overlooked as being actually one of the best sellers of all right. time. You know what I mean? Like, that's what he's actually good at. People think of him as a great technical wrestler, but really what he's best at is selling, and that's what makes everything look so fucking good. Um, and his character work that he's doing in the... Tha- like, his matches have been good, but the thing that has been fucking knocking me for a loop is the character work. It's taken a back seat, obviously, and they're not really focusing on him at this point now, so it's kind of like, you know, whatever. Um, but it was looking like they were liking him, he was knocking everything out of the park, and it was looking like they could, they were going to hopefully do something with him. Now it's not so much looking like that's the way they're going because they got Killer Cross, but hey, Killer Cross is out injured now, so we'll see. Maybe they'll end up actually doing something with Thatcher. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking nuts <laughs> that you've got basically the guy who's all sizzle no steak and the guy who's like completely fucking substance over style and they're both in nxt at the same time this is the this is the point of when we talk about like nxt wwe roster bloat like what company needs both of those guys there's no company who like you can theoretically say like it makes sense that they would have both of those guys under contract because that shows just like diametrically opposed concepts of what wrestling should be and it doesn't make sense for one promotion 
to swing so wildly with the kind of like aspect of what they're presenting as professional wrestling. But WWE is so fucking bloated and so big that like they have room for two guys who are so completely different that it almost doesn't even make sense that they do the same sport. Um, but yeah, Thatcher's been looking great. So hopefully moving forward, that means, uh, that means something for him. I don't know. We'll see. And the hardest part of the like WWE, the like some other stuff like, like Io Shirai, like I think I've heard that she's had some good stuff. I think there's been some like Sasha Banks and Asuka stuff yeah. going on too. So like I'll, I'll, I'll get I'll get around to all of that. Like all that Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio. I'll, I'll leave all that alone. But like as far as like Io and Sasha and Asuka and whatever Thatcher's doing, like. That'll pretty much take up like my entire like NXT viewing for the rest of the year, probably. Yeah, and I don't pay attention to any main roster stuff at all, so I don't know what like Daniel Bryan's been doing, if anything at all. Um, it's like, is he out injured or something, or is he out for COVID? I have no fucking clue. Because to me, it just feels like he doesn't exist because I haven't been paying attention. I think uh, I, th- I think um, Roman I think like Roman I Reigns ladder, is back. Like, yeah, Roman Reigns showed up at uh, the, th- the Thunderdome. Is it? Thunder, yeah, I, I want to say it's SummerSlam, but I'm not sure that it is. Um, but I think it was SummerSlam. It might have also been Payback. It could have been Roadblock. I don't know what show. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it was SummerSlam. Um, but uh, he showed up, and that sound. God damn it! Now I'm like that sounds like I'm being like one of those people who's trying to act like they're above things, but I legitimately just don't know enough. Okay, it was SummerSlam, so he showed up at SummerSlam, and uh, and he's got veneers. Um, I so the only thing that I've seen from SummerSlam was the Roman part because I heard about his <laughs> veneers, so I wanted to how, see how they look. And uh, f- fine, that was not. My issue, my issue was this, and I heard someone compare it, and it's very funny because the person on the, the podcast, and I can't remember who it was, was talking about it, and they compared it, and they were saying it was like a diet thing, or like he was in shape. They were like saying that. They were like, oh, because it was the first thing that popped in my head, too. It was like, oh, you know, he's on some kind of diet. He's lost some weight or something, and for some reason now he looks like Edge when Edge returned. Um like a long time ago I don't know if you remember this I always remember it and I have no fucking frame of reference of when it was but there was a big edge return basically when he came back from an injury and then after that it was when he like was thoroughly a main eventer he went from being like a mid card and tag team guy to being a main eventer only um was off of this big return and the thing was is that when I saw Roman I didn't think oh he's lost weight oh he's been like he's in shape what I thought was oh he looks like when Edge came back after Edge had spent all that time off taking HGH um, so Roman is clearly gassed to the gills. I think he's taken a bunch of HGH and, you know, this is obviously just my opinion and this is satire and I, I'm not saying for sure, but Roman Reigns looks like he's taken a bunch of HGH and he's come back and his, his, you know, that look that they get where their like eyebrow is like more ridged mm. than it used to be and their cheekbones are huge. And it's like, you can just tell that like, cause when you take HGH, your skull expands and it doesn't fit your body like normally anymore. Jesus and that's what Christ, he looks like. Um, and other people are like, Oh, I think, I think that he's uh, taken, uh, I think that he's dieting and exercising. And I'm like, no, I think he's taken a bunch of HGH and he got veneers, um, which like whatever, he looks cool, but like he just, yeah, he looks 
like a freak of nature, which like good for him. He's in really good shape. He's Samoan, so it takes a lot for him to get into good shape. That's just how it works. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's back and he's going to win the title probably really quickly, which good for him. And then in two weeks, it's going to be as if he never left because that's just how it works in WWE now. So unfortunately, it's like, okay, cool. Like this, this right, slow death Tim. march. Um, Roman Reigns versus Karrion Cross. Yes. Ooh, that's, I mean, it'll be fun because those are two guys who like to like kick the shit out of each other. Right, so they'll they'll have fun like fighting rough, and they'll probably bust each other open. Hopefully, it's at a time when Vince is okay with people bleeding hard way, because um, yeah, they'll they'll kick the I, shit out of each other, and it'll be fun. I, I got I got imagine they still they still don't like Roman, so I guess, so Cross probably goes over in that. <laughs> right? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Roman. Is how dare you, how 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 dare you be susceptible to this disease because you had cancer? <laughs> Fucking yeah, big. exactly. But he's their biggest star. This is the weirdest situation, I think, ever. Like, there's been issues in the past, but this is a weird situation that they're in because Roman right now is their biggest star and the most important guy, and they'll never not treat him like a top star. But they, like, yeah, they they dislike him. And it's not like with, like, Daniel Bryan or anything where, like, they're, he's just the most over. It's, like, this is a different thing. Like, Roman is actually a mainstream star that everyone really likes a lot and they're not going to bury him but yeah you're right that like they're 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 definitely going to constantly be looking for ways to f- make somebody else a, else a bigger star than him and but I don't know that it's going to happen like it's very weird but again I'm saying that's the slow death march of WWE as their ratings continue to go down their popularity continues to go down as you counter that with the stories of AEW on the opposite side going up or staying the same as WWE slowly comes down to them. Like, and we're getting to this point. You hear Meltzer constantly talking about this. At some point, they're going to cross, and it's going to be the point where AEW is above WWE. And it's it's kind of crazy to say because I've been, I've been optimistic in the idea that it can happen for a long time, longer than most a lot of people have like assumed that WWE is this hegemonic entity that can never you know, you know, disappear. You know, you know, you know but now it's too, finally like, happening because WWE is so loaded with talent. In that, like once they realize that they might be in some kind of trouble, they'll just like flip the on switch and just and just like know what to do. And it's like I feel like a lot of people assume a lot of people assume that, and it's like the the more it goes on, you realize like no, they really don't know how to combat this. There's no switch. And you can say they're loaded with talent, sure, but they don't have any stars. They really don't. I mean, they've got Roman and that's it. Nobody else is a difference-making star. And they don't, again, like you said, they don't know how to let someone become a star or be a, even just be a star. Like, it's very funny that that's their anti-bullying campaign with how laughable <laughs> that always was. Um, the idea that WWE had an anti-bullying campaign um, is be a star, but it's also becoming very funny that, like, they don't even know actually how to let someone be a star in the like more colloquial sense of it. Like they couldn't get out of their own way to let Drew be like a star, really. I mean, sure, COVID fucked it up, but he doesn't feel important right now. And they've got him feuding with Randy Orton, and it's like I I get the idea that you want to have him have a rub from Randy Orton, but that's not really working. Randy Orton feels stale, and all you're actually doing is making Drew feel stale. And they don't even realize it. Like you said, they don't know how 
to flip any switch to change things while you've got AEW that's like AEW is about to lose their biggest baby face right Cody Rhodes just dropped the title and that was on the was that on the Saturday that was on the Saturday Dynamite that you watched where Cody loses the title to to Mr. Brody Lee um and he's going out I guess to film like a TV show or something and uh He's basically their biggest baby face. I guess Moxley is their biggest baby face now. But Cody feels like he could be the biggest. It's like a toss-up, whatever. He's out, but it doesn't really feel like it matters. It feels yeah. like they'll be fine. And, and again, just because I just said it, they've got Moxley. Moxley, PWI 500, number one wrestler of the year, Moxley. You know, it's like they've got they have, a gigantic they, they, baby They have the hottest wrestler in wrestling. And you could argue that they have, like, number two and number three. <laughs> Between yeah. between yeah. between you Jericho and, and you... um fucking um Cody. Yeah, they've got Moxley, Jericho, and Cody, and they feel like the biggest stars in wrestling. And you've got Kenny Omega, Adam Page, in a tag team that at any point that they decide to break them up could become hot supernova stars if they wanted to. And I can definitely see someone saying that I, that sounds like bullshit because oh Kenny blah 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 he hasn't been used well oh you know Paige Kenny, was flopping like, but uh, Kenny I'm up sorry until like everything shut down was on pace to maybe being like as far as like an hour nerdy yeah. guy is like the rest, the wrestler of the year <laughs> like... yeah and and my point is like AEW has proven that they know what they're doing I'm sorry but you can try to argue to say. Like, oh, they both weren't, aren't doing well, and oh, they wouldn't do... And I'm like, AEW has shown over and over again that they can take anyone and make it work, make them a star. Their booking is on point. They know how to do it to where, if they wanted to, both those guys have enough equity built up. Both those guys are solid enough in ring that if they decided to break them up, they do the feud between them, which makes sense. Obviously, you do a feud between them breaking up as a tag team. And whoever comes out of that feud as the winner is probably the hottest act in wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, I just... My assumption would be that that feud between them would be so good that you would come out of it where whoever wins the feud is the number one person in wrestling. And you could easily go from there to do whatever you want. So, again, like I said, people can say that I'm, I'm you know, capping for them or whatever the fuck. But, like, based on their track record, I don't think that that's wrong. So, again, they've got the top three hottest wrestlers in wrestling in, in which again that's me and you including Jericho which I don't think either of us are like huge that, Jericho that, that, fans that's just a fact like. it's just true I mean how many wrestlers have the fucking crowd singing the, their bullshit song the way that they do for Jericho like like it's crazy but it's just true the guy can sell out fucking a cruise there's not a lot of wrestlers who can sell out a cruise just on their name because when they did the Jericho cruise AEW wasn't that big of a thing that cruise really sold out because of Jericho. You know, that's a big deal. Like, historically, the only kind of bands that do cruises are, like, big bands that can tour and sell out arenas. Oh, Jericho's in a big band that can sell out arenas. What the fuck? <laughs> like, Jericho is a big deal. I'm sorry. He really is. Like, again, me and you may not be the biggest fans of him, but he's a big deal. So, we got Jericho, Moxley. Moxley's the guy who, again, he's. I think he's got star power. He's got the crossover for the nerdy wrestlers, the hardcore wrestlers. I've talked to, I've talked this to death. And then you've got Cody. Cody's going out now. And who knows what happens with this TV show. Because if this TV show is a big deal, Cody could become an even bigger star. Which is crazy to think about. Because if Cody became like a crossover celebrity, yeah. then it's fucking over. 
WWE should just pack it up. You know? And that's not out of the question because this show, right, is with Stephen Amell, who's like in that Green Arrow show, and Green Arrow yeah, like, is a that, popular like, show. That's, a, like, that's, like, that's I, a very, that's, I never, that's a very I never popular watched show. It, like, even if, like, you want to say this in a, like, a, re- a relative bubble because it's, like, it's, the, it's the comic book world, like, that's still a very big audience. Yeah. So if you get the crossover of the comic book fans getting more into AEW and they're watching for Cody, like, you know, that's. That could be it, man. That could be AEW actually turning the lights off on WWE. And I would not be shocked. Especially because the idea would be WWE would try to sign away stars from AEW, right? To That would be their there, only. There's, real no, there, there's to, like, no incentive to leave them. AEW right now, as far as like, we know. The, and. And the top stars that you would want to try to grab are executive yeah. vice presidents of the company, so they're not going to just leave. You know, they have equity in the company. They're not going to just leave for a big contract. So, but yeah. I always remember, and this is like anecdotal whatever, but it was like years and years ago, I was like, you know, on a podcast, and I was mopping, mapping out this, this concept of like WXW-style regional promotions that could tour, building up to a level where like you could create a fan base regionally that could then interconnect to where like you could slowly take wwe apart right and like so like this is again years and years ago when no one believed that wwe could ever disappear and i was looking at it and saying like it can fucking happen i don't think that wwe is like immortal and will exist forever and then now we're looking at it and it's not at all what i predicted but it's definitely still within the realm of like they can be beat. They don't have to exist forever. People talk about it as if, like, it's entrenched to the point where WWE just has to always exist, but it's it's really not. Like, fuck, NWA is dead. Like, NWA existed longer than WWE, and it's gone. And, like, they were bigger at points. They waxed and waned. They were never as big as WWE is right like, now. Like, WWE, like, like but, literally, like, another company funded by a billionaire, WCW, like, died. Like, we watched it die. Right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it's not crazy, and especially now, they're overextended, they've got, they've got their hands in other companies' pockets way too deep, they're, you know, publicly shared, even if it is really hinky with, like, the way that the shares are, because realistically, only McMahon family own, like, Class A stocks that can vote and all this stuff, whatever, but, like, they're still, they're just overexerted and overleveraged to a point where, like, it's not necessarily written in stone that they're going to always exist and again we talked a little bit but was there anything else in AEW catch up that you've done that, that stood out to you uh, no I just, uh, just caught um, the second uh, John Moxley versus Darby Allen match which was fucking awesome so like that's, that's, all, that's all I really had to say there hadn't seen, hadn't seen Darby in a while and they had really good chemistry the, the first time they wrestled so went ahead and watched that and I thought that was better than the first match I really liked it yeah, and and Darby has been proving to be a really good match to match worker, um, the kind of guy. I mean, we saw it with the stuff with Ethan Page, like the kind of guy who can uh, who can really like build a storyline and build from match to match, doing the kind of like uh, learned psychology that you can do, the kind of stuff that they did in like uh, All Japan, the kind of stuff that uh, good friend of the podcast Dan Makabe is really into doing, um, where you kind of like. You tell a story and a narrative from match to match. Darby really shows the ability to do that. And it's, again, it's like, 
it's that thing where he comes across if you're just looking on the surface as like a spot monkey guy as a guy who just does crazy stuff but when you look at the psychology of it like he's really in there he's really thinking and he's really building deep um aew also have been doing the uh, women's tag team cup tournament um it's been airing i think on like uh youtube yeah youtube primarily i've watched a little of it here and there um it's it was pretty good the way that they told the story i it made sense to me how they got to where they got with Lise and diamante winning especially because they set up them two having a singles match before the tournament started where at the end of it they're kind of like oh both of them are signed to the company now um so it made sense to then go to them as a tag team and them winning because you had just signed them but realistically coming out of the tournament it felt like the Anna J Tanara Conti team like could have been could have been kind of out of nowhere big time stars but they don't have Tanara Conti under contract Anna J is doing the right. order thing but it was kind of like coming out of it I was like that was the team that had the star power like not just the fact that they're both like good looking or whatever but like you know I've always been a big fan of Conti mm-hmm. you know that if you've listened to me on podcasts but, like, you know, she's a BJJ black belt, so, of course, I'm going to dig her. Um, but, like, I really I, I really thought that she, having the kind of chains off and the freedom to wrestle a little bit more intensely in AEW, she really showed how good she could be. And I just would love for her to sign there and, and be there long term. But I think the reason why she hasn't signed is because I'm pretty sure that once everything's back to normal, WWE probably plans to bring her right back in. I can't imagine that they really wanted to let her go. Um on top of everything, she was ratings gold for them. Like when, when they looked at the quarter hours, she repeatedly was when was whenever she was on was like popping huge ratings comparatively to other stuff that was happening on uh, on NXT. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't planning on bringing her back, and that's maybe why she's like hesitant to sign a contract. Either way, the tournament itself has, was really good. The Nightmare Sisters being in the finals was fine. Allie's pretty good. Brandy Rhodes is serviceable. Diamante and Ivelisse are a good tag team. So that was, that's been fun to watch in the women's division. Also Sheeta being the women's champion has been, has been going really well. Um, I think that Sheeta, unfortunately she doesn't quite hit the highs that, uh, me or Riho was hitting when she was the champion, but, uh, she's definitely very good as like kind of a solid workhorse in the mid like mid card area and it just it sucks because it felt like Riho could have been like the kind of women's champion who could have eventually main evented like a big show and Sheeta doesn't quite feel there but she could get there I think that she's one of those like could organically build if they give her a long enough title run and she's like dominant and people get behind her I think eventually she could become a big star like that um especially because she's got really good charisma I think especially like if you're paying attention to her on social media she comes across endearing and very sweet and I think if they could translate that personality onto TV I think people would get behind her even more um they just really haven't done anything like that yet um so yeah coming out of uh Coming out of AEW talk, is there any other stuff that you've ca- caught? We're not we're not really hitting any uh, like Japan, any international stuff. I don't know if you've caught up at all on any. Uh, no, I still want to do like I do. I want to do a new Japan catch up at some point. There's a couple of Noah matches that I've seen people talk about. I caught T Hawk versus uh, Tetsuya Endo. Like it's a match that in theory I I really would have liked a lot, but didn't really do much for me. There were some cool reversals and. Uh, yeah. 
I guess I guess T Hawk was cool in control, but yeah, I guess I I would have wanted more out of that match, but it, it was fine. Indo has been not great this year, and it's I don't know. I've never been a huge Indo fan in general. I think when other when I hear other people praise him a lot, I have always kind of questioned it. And so to me, I'm kind of like I don't know his his title run this year, and just him this year in general. I've kind of been like, I I don't know. I've been unimpressed, and I think other people are unimpressed, and it does make me question like, okay, so was I right? <laughs> like, are you guys all finally seeing what I see, or is he just really off right now? And is it because of like the COVID stuff? It's it's kind of tough to I mean to say like, for sure. There's a couple there's a couple of times when like when we've seen Endo that he's like looked like he was on his way to becoming like a guy that could like have a long reign and you wouldn't like think it's out of place like the like the like the match with Sakaguchi the K, uh the uh was it was it the was it the was it the KSK Ishii match um uh, yeah like, like, oh, like yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah. those de- those defenses and other things like that like he's shown that he can be a guy in that in those top spots the big Takashita matches have always delivered he's delivered in the King, in King of DDT finals He's a he's a good wrestler, but it just feels like especially COVID. Like I, I think we're talking up to there, like kind of like threw his momentum off. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that I do think that for me, as someone who has always watched wrestling with the sound off, I'm I'm a freak like that. My for a very long time, um, I think that for me, that's probably why when I used to watch him, I didn't enjoy him as much as other people. And then now that other people are seeing him in that same context, because basically COVID wrestling is like watching wrestling with the sound off. Cause there's no crowd. There's nothing to really like kind of, there's none, none of the auditory stuff that's like helping the in ring. You're just watching with the physicality and what's happening in ring. And I think that Endo is a bit of a crowd guy. And unfortunately with no crowd, he's just not really bringing it to the same level that he was before. Um, Takashita is a different story. I mean, I've, I've, I've gone off enough times in the past about how great I think Takashita is. So to me, like all of those great matches that they had together never really amounted to me taking Endo super seriously. Other than the fact that like, maybe he's one of Takashita's best opponents. So that is giving him some credit to say that like Takashita is very good with everyone, but Endo is like, holds up his end of the bargain in the matches. But also like, sometimes there's just people who like they work to a certain level and it's only with certain people and you know whatever i think endo is is good did you see the kenny omega promo against I, endo? I have not but are you but are you into that are you excited to see that i can uh i will watch a kenny versus endo match i think that it'll be good i like you know obviously i like kenny a lot um i think that they can match up with each other pretty well I don't know if it's happening. I, I really don't know if they're building to anything real they, or they, not. Because they, this is they've like, they been Kenny advertising Omega. Kenny coming to DDT for a while now. So like I, I so like I felt like he he came into the yeah. tag match with Riho. He uh, had that weird interaction. Uh, I think I think that was when, when Harashima was still champ. Uh, with with Harash, like oh yeah, he, yeah, he's gonna come back and work a, and work a KOD title match. Like I don't, they wouldn't be doing this just for bullshit. <laughs> You would hope, but I mean, I was, my comparison was going to be like Kenny, obviously historically has always been very smart and he works at all times. Even when he's doing shoot interviews, he's usually actually working, but like he also has been doing this new day bullshit for years. And it's like, that. I don't feel like that's ever going to build to anything. I don't think they're ever going to do the elite versus the new day. Like it's, I just don't think it's going to happen. And he's more than willing to continuously build to that online. So 
I don't know. I don't think this is the same thing though, because it doesn't feel the same. The that whole stuff with the new day feels a lot more like mm. they're having fun, and this feels a lot more serious. Um, the Kenny promo is interesting because uh, you know John from Wrestling Omakase was like really down on it and making fun of it as if like it was one of the worst promos of all time and comparing it to other like another famously bad Kenny Omega promo or whatever. And I, I was like, I liked it. I mean, I like Kenny. I you know I I think that Kenny. Has a good promo style. I enjoy Kenny's promo style. Uh, I enjoy Kenny Omega in general. Ken, so maybe Kenny's, that's why. Promo style's, Ken, but, uh, Kenny's promo yeah. style has always been like really divisive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, I thought it was fun. He was in a weight room and he was being a bit off the cuff, but he was being... He feels authentic. As, as weird as Kenny Omega is, and I think it can be off-putting for people, and I think it makes him feel like he's putting on a character... To me, it feels like that's just the real guy. Like he's he's just kind of a, a weirdo, you know. Like, and that's that's fine. I like weirdos. Like, if I didn't like weirdos, I wouldn't be doing ah. a podcast with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, coming out of that, um, the only other thing before we talk about Black Label Pro, and we've already been going for a while, um, and I did message you to check this out, but I don't know if you did, um, just because it's a really weird place to to watch it, but. Um, 365 Wrestling is back and they're running shows and I don't know that they've put everything from their most recent show out but Eddie Osborne has been doing like just some Twitch streams where he's been showing basically raw footage from 365 and PWA history but one match in particular that uh, that he he posted on the Twitch stream recently was uh, the big return match, return to wrestling in general uh, for Judas Icarus taking on Eddie Osborne, the, the, the promoter. And uh, we've talked about Judas Icarus here in the past, the rat boy and his insane fucking energy. But uh, this was Judas Icarus turned up to 11 or 12. Like, this was something else. And I don't know if you got a chance know, to check I, it out. I, I, forgot, I completely forgot about this. Maybe uh, send, me, send me the link after we do this, because I, I completely forgot that this even happened. Yeah. But I, me- I remember you talking about it in the chat. That yeah. it might so, probably maybe the, maybe the best uh, icky match or icky performance you've seen. I mean, best icky performance, probably not. The most intense yeah, okay. icky performance I've ever seen. The most Icarus. The most Icarus that <laughs> icky has ever been. The most fucking just frantic rat boy you've ever seen. Yes, 100%. I mean, this was fucking nuts. So much pent-up rage and energy from this guy because he has not wrestled for months. And I love to see that fucking fire. Like I said, right now it's buried on Twitch. You have to, like search through a fucking twitch stream i'll go through and find it for you i think i i think i got have it like on my my hard drive um i may have gotten rid of it but i'll double check if i have it because uh this is just like i said intensity craziness this guy eddie osborne is good i'll i've never been like never say a bad word about eddie osborne like the guy from what i hear he's a good guy someone a stand-up dude who you can like be okay with supporting um runs a promotion that solidly books good wrestling here and there great heel like can work as good babyface, especially on the island which this is happening on vancouver island which is like that's where he's mm. the fucking man basically um and uh he is basically only there to serve as like a fucking punching bag he's a crash test dummy for icarus to just lose his fucking mind it is wild to watch he is unhinged like 
everything is so fast and so frantic and looks dangerous but crisp and it's like i mean that's realistically like what is really fun right. about watching judas icarus i think in general you know but this is like so turned up i mean this shit looks wild it's yeah i'm probably building it up too much but i would definitely recommend checking it out like gritty handheld situation eventually the 365 stuff is supposed to get released i've been enjoying the twitch streams it's been a lot of classic pwa stuff mixed in there but uh they're doing a cool thing where they have like an, an old-timey referee talk about wrestling rules in between stuff which i think is really fun um he's like explaining concepts and like I was hearing him talk about like when they went like switching from the 10 count to the 20 count on the floor and how it makes sense with like the way wrestling is now, why they would change it because the high flying dives to the ground. And it was just like really building the psychology of why this stuff makes sense, you know, because I think a lot of times people just accept things, but it's nice to hear at least someone who's putting some thought into it and making it make a little bit more sense than just like, yeah, that's just what we do because it's wrestling. Um, so I, I really enjoy that. The 365 wrestling, like, they're starting to come back. Um, we'll see as things continue to go if they can build and actually have some crowds there because unfortunately they can't have full crowds right now. So they're only working in front of like 50 people. But this is seeming like a really exciting promotion and with the but the Pacific Northwest scene really kind of having two of the bigger promotions to that we've been watching online recently kind of disappear. Um, kind of like wondering well what happens after covid does this scene even exist and 365 looks poised to hopefully be like kind of in the vein of replacing some of that kind of missing scene area there so hopefully that 365 starts to release the the shows in an official manner and not just on the twitch stream um because these are like just hanging out watching raw footage kind of twitch stream it's not even meant to be the the official releases um so hopefully they they get these out there and you can actually see this stuff fully professionally polished and put out because it's uh it's okay. looking promising one, um, one question before we there move was, on to talking yeah, about little pro haven't watched this match yet yeah but it's, in the time i was gone it seems like it was one of the more buzzworthy uh releases in wrestling what did you think of the yay high yay high jeremy wyatt uh 60 minute iron man Ooh. <laughs> this is a tough one because i don't want to um I don't want to bury the match or the people who I know who really liked the match because I, I, I have friends and people I know who actually really enjoyed it and I and I get why. Um, that said, also Joe Lanza really liked it, so it but, feels but fine I thought, to I thought you were it, right? talking about your friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but so the kind of the thing is is that it was it just had no heart. It really felt like. I would have expected something interesting from those two, especially very thoughtful wrestlers. Yay high, one of the most like cerebral wrestlers. Je- Je- I mean, I mean Jeremy Wyatt I mean, too. Guy, like Jeremy Wyatt, another like super like yeah. Like you like not that like you can like because sometimes you can watch people when they wrestle like and like see them thinking because they like might like you know feel like they're like missing a few steps of thinking too hard. But like Jeremy Wyatt clearly like go, puts a lot of effort into making things like you know seem like realistic right well and not just real like this is this is the thing unfortunately with the gimmick it's not even just about making it realistic but it's like playing with the gimmick and making it make sense why have this 60 minute iron man match if you're not going to make something of it and that's to me that feels like such a waste to not 
use it to the extent that you could have. And there was a there was stuff in here where I felt like they set the table to where you could have done some really interesting things to play with the fact that you're doing an Iron Man match, and they just never did. It really felt like all they were doing was kind of doing some nerd bait. And it's very funny because as I was watching it, it was exactly what I was thinking. And then I read, you know, Simon's review um, and on Handwork, Blogspot. Um, shout out to uh, to the buddy over there, Simon. Um, and it was like exactly what I was thinking, where it was just like, <laughs> I think he said like this, this match is, is only happening for people to talk about on blogs and podcasts. <laughs> and Jesus it was like Christ. 100% how it felt. Like it was a match that was working to a specific crowd and it worked because like I said, I have friends and people who I know that are part of that whole scene that really enjoyed it. And I, I, I guess I get why, because they worked to them. But to me, it was like it missed. And I was just watching it and I was just, again, I was thinking multiple times. I was just like, there's so much stuff that you can do with an Iron Man stipulation here that you're just completely overlooking. You have, you're, and there were even teasing stuff where it was like, could be clever and interesting off of the, off of the gimmick, but they just never delivered it. You know, they, they, they were somewhat playing with it, but it was like, there was like count out teases where I was like, just, you're in an Iron Man setting, do the count out. You know what I mean? Like, don't just tease it really get the the drama out of it because you're in the setting where you can actually do this and not have it be the fall the fall flat you know finish and just actually do the count out to tell the story that of like you know whatever devastating hold or move that you just did like to me it was like they 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 just had a normal match that went really long it <laughs> was what happened instead of like having an iron man match so Luckily, I think NXT will fix that by having the four-way Iron Man match that will definitely oh, hit all of the important notes of an Iron Man match <laughs> and, definitely, and, and definitely deliver a lot stronger when it comes to that. No, but you haven't watched it yet, I guess, right? I, I, have, I have not. I have not. Like, I want to. Okay. I think, like... I, I think in order for Watch me to get, to, like, get getting back to the full swing of things and, like, really put myself back in that same... Uh, headspace uh, where I usually wa- I usually watch wrestling in I, I gotta do it but like I, I yeah. was just so like perplexed at like the fact that like you guys or like people like you like I know I know Simon doesn't like Jeremy Wyatt as much as we do but yeah like but I, I know Simon is, is really high on him but like the fact that like you guys in like that match and I see like Lanes are going five on I'm like man what is going on here <laughs> yeah yeah I mean the, the thing is that like I said I mean I think that you should watch it, especially because you're a podcaster, so it's meant for you. Um, and if you want to call yourself a podcaster, you have to watch it, unfortunately, Quentin. So um, so it is a match for podcasters. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like, Wyatt, I love Wyatt. I think he's great, but I just, this was like, it was, it, I, I can't say that it felt like an Iron Man match. It felt like they went long to go long. And the commentary, the commentary definitely hurt it. Like, I will say that the commentary for me, um, they just, they kept hitting over the head. This is, you know, this is what we're doing is epic. We're definitely raffle coptering all over your balls. Um, you know what I mean? They just kept hitting the fucking like epic. Oh, in other situations, you know, this and this, but not here. And then like that it's, you know, for charity, that's great. But it's also for charity while you have like Sean Orleans on commentary, which I don't even want to fucking get into, but that is, it's just difficult. And I get that 
you know, there's people who are fine with him and whatever. I don't. That's that's that is what it is. But there's a there's there's definitely a specter that the, hangs the, over the, his that head. Whole doing that whole situation charity, where even if you feel like he got like even like slightly absolved is just still like really weird. And it is like when you're in a situation where you're you're doing something that's meant for a wider audience. You're doing something that's meant for charity. Now is the time to say, listen, Sean, I get it. You were falsely accused. I ride with you a hundred, whatever. We're boys. Right now, we're not putting your face out there. Just because other people are going to see this, and maybe that's going to affect their appreciation of it. Maybe that's going to affect people taking us seriously when it comes to doing something good for charity. And I get that you did nothing wrong, and I'm with you on that 100%. And if anyone asks me, I'm going to tell them that it's bullshit and we're buddies. Like, even if that's 100% what you believe, you just got to be like, dude, this is not the time. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, and to me, that's it. That's it. I just, I feel like you create a weird dynamic just by having him there, and it just makes things awkward. And it's just like, I, you can do without him. They have th- a three man booth. You don't Espe- need especially, to Especially for like a, for like a, really a standalone don't. match like that, where they're like putting it out there to be like, uh, absorbed by these by these wrestling fans who are thirsty for like new fresh wrestling content as we're in, as we're in, as we're in the middle of a pandemic, like maybe like going no commentary would have been the like more, more like what would have been a more interesting way to go there. Like, ooh, I don't know, I don't mm. know about this one. This match with no commentary would have been just, real just, rough. Just, just, it's an hour long. Just a suggestion because I feel like both like both Wyatt and Yehi yeah, guys yeah. were like. I feel like the work has their work can speak for itself. Like why it exudes en- why it exudes enough personality yeah. from like his robe, his smug look, and everything that like you don't need to like you don't need to hear like commentary talk about how much of a dick he is to know that he to know that he's like a to know that he's a, to know that he's a to know that he's a bad guy. And you don't need to like know that much about Fred Gayhi right. after the first couple of minutes to see that he's like a scrappy, tenacious, like resourceful guy either. Like. I feel like just with those two in particular, you don't need that much background info or people trying to like prop up the match. But but I hear what you're saying though. Yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from on that when it comes to like right. in theory. If you just told me about the match in, in in theory, I would agree with you. Having watched it, I couldn't imagine getting through that match with no commentary, honestly, um, just because it was like it was long and plotting and you really needed because they I don't even want to get super into reviewing it but because they didn't like tell a super cohesive story again because of like following the gimmick to make it like produce like a narrative you needed the commentary there to like help keep it together and make sense which again on paper sounds ludicrous because you've got two guys who should easily be able to tell this story Without any problem. Randomly, you know what popped in my head? Because I was thinking about it. And I was like... If this had been like Yehi and Grisham... It would have been better. But then I was like... If it had been Wyatt and Grisham... I was like... You could have replaced either one of these guys with Grisham. And I think you would have okay, had better. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, I just, so there was wanna, something about... So like, as, as big of a Grisham fan, Grisham fan as I am... I want to offer a rebuttal here. Like... We've never okay. seen Grisham in a match that long. Are we sure that Gresham in like a sixty-minute match, like, is like like w- like would be good? Like, like ju- 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 just for argument's sake. I 
have we not? Have we not seen Gresham we've, in a? In we've, a we've seen, we've seen him in a thirty-minute one with Jay Lethal. Lethal, but I'm saying like as far as a sixty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just to me Grisham, I think no. Grisham to me has proven better about working to gimmicks and being willing to like play. Because to me, like part of the thing was like why it should have been he was the ba- he was the heel champion and he should have been the kind of asshole who's like taking count out victories and doing stuff like that. And Grisham has done stuff like that in the past. You know what I mean? So it's just like to me, I'm kind of like I just I could see Grisham pulling that kind of stuff off a little bit better. Um, you might be right that like. We haven't seen it, so I can't just say no, that for it was, sure. It was, it was just a thought. To me, I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 you're not wrong. You're, you're definitely not wrong in like questioning it. But, uh, but I just, to me, I'm like thinking about it. and I'm like, I don't know. I think, I think, I think you'd pull it off. But, but we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to save that for another day, and we'll have to do uh, we'll have to do Grisham uh, Grisham Iron Man matches with both Jeremy Wyatt and uh, and Freddie A. High just to prove. Um, if it would have been better, <laughs> we'll have to have a pandemic, if, global pandemic if, happening. If Beyond weren't time. cowards, they would have actually did Gresham versus Zach at America Rana instead of instead of two or three falls. Would have did it, did it as a sixty, but you know. Yeah, and it would have been the main event too instead of the that three way. What was it? Dick, Dickinson, Dijak, and uh, fuck, who was it? Dickinson? Who was it? Yeah, it was JT it Dunn. JT Dunn. What a fucking three way. Yeah, JT Dunn, Dickinson, and Dijak. For, for the Ace of Beyond, which I don't think any of them even work Beyond Wrestling anymore. Um, Dijak, obviously, is in NXT. Dickinson is, like, I guess the Ace of GCW now. I don't even fucking know. And uh, JC Dunn that, has that was That was an interesting know. show. I think, like, that was... Bri- who was it? Brian Cage versus who, who on that show? Was it Keith Lee? Oh, it was Keith Lee. It wasn't Keith Lee, right? Because uh, like, I don't think Keith had debuted by then. No, no, I don't... No, ah, fuck. Now I'm trying to think. God damn it. I remember that too because it was a. Uh... Oh, awesome. It's pulling up right now. Um, Let me see. Where is he? It was a. Brian Fury? Brian Fury? It was, like, it was a good Brian Cage match too. That's how I remember it. Yeah, it stood out. It was early in the show, right? Cage versus Oh, it was. Lee. Okay. It was. Yeah, it was Cage versus Keith Lee as the uh, as the opener, I guess. I can't even tell. And then, if this and is then like, um, the order of the you matches. know, it's weird to talk about him again, but like, you know, David Starr versus Gargano was good, but you know, yeah, it was Davy Wrestling versus uh, yeah. Johnny Wrestling, um, Joey Ryan versus Johnny Cockstrong. That's another canceled match, right? Um, Brian versus Brian Fury versus Tommaso Ciampa, which I don't remember but feels like it was probably good and then was really close to yeah, I, don't, I don't remember that at all but I remember the beyond at that time yeah. is so is so weird because like like you can make a legitimate argument they were like having like knock it out of the park shows like every like every month at that point especially when you get yeah. to that December show where I think that is like Dijak versus Fury and uh Ricochet versus Gresham like they're just knocking it out of the park Oh fuck that Ricochet versus Gresham match is so good. Oh, this has that kick-ass hero oh, versus shit. Kimberly <laughs> match. I didn't even realize that was on American Rana. I thought that was on a random um, Beyond show, but that was American Rana. Shit, that was a good match. Um, and this has Riddle versus Silver, which I do not remember at all. And both guys are like 
NXT, WWE, and AEW now. That's crazy to think, but I don't remember that much at all. And I would think I would because Silver was pretty good at this point, especially oh, yes. in Beyond. There was a period of time where John Silver was. They were they really were they were giving like Silver all these like, weird showcase matches. Like he had to face like Kyle O'Reilly and Zach on like back to back shows or something. I was like, what the yes. fuck is going on here? I remember him having this insanely good match with Leo Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was around that same time too, where it was just like, God damn it, he was good. Yeah, and he's still good now, obviously. But yeah, it was just a. Uh, very funny. Beyond was really nuts back then. Um, anyways, what the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> um, Grisham versus... Or we were talking about Yay High versus, uh, versus Fred or Jeremy Wyatt before we were going to get into Black Label Pro, I guess. Um, there was something else that popped in my head for a second, but I can't remember it now, so I'm just going to forget it. Um, Black Label Pro presents... Or no, Black Label Pro... Eric Stevens presents professional wrestling. Um, this again, it's like the idea that the gimmick is that the matches are serious, right? That was the whole point. Um, great show. Yeah, I mean, like, realistically, like, 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 I can't even bottom, say that from like a place where like I haven't watched wrestling in so long. So like, oh, like the first one thing I watch and like the first wrestling I watch like is automatically going to be good. Like, no, this is a really good show. <laughs> yeah. It's just a good show from top to bottom. You open up with uh, Violence is Forever versus Alex Zane and Blake Christian. Blake Christian and Alex Zane are a weird tag team because primarily they're thought of as opponents and they get thrown together as a tag team here does, and there does it help? Does it help, does it help that um, Zane is significantly better than Blake Christian either? It does not help in that fact. It doesn't help that Zane is a 10-year, uh, you know, no, 15-year rookie at this point according to GCW commentary, but... We'll leave that for another day. Um, the fact that uh, that that like most of the time what they do is like really spot heavy stuff when they're a tag team. You basically bring them in. Basically, when people bring them in as a tag team, it's just to showcase like a, a crazy spot like match. But here they're going up against Violence is Forever, who who can base and not even just base, but like do a really good job of being like like uh, cruiser bullies where they like pick on cruiserweights. Um, but you don't really get that here. I mean, you get some token, like, high-flying, fast-paced stuff from Christian and Zayn, but primarily you get a pretty grounded wrestling match with a lot of Violence Forever being dominant, badass ass-kickers. Um, in the past, I've compared to Violence Forever to the Road Warriors, and I think it still stands. I think that they're realistically the closest thing that you're going to get to the Road Warriors in modern day indie wrestling um they're badasses you can believe them no selling you can believe them kicking the shit out of basically anyone um and they do and that's what they do here they beat the fuck out of these guys um and it's so fun to watch and it's realistically like squash matches and super dominant stuff can get boring but i can watch violence forever just basically beat the fuck out of people forever like i i really enjoy watching them just beat the shit out of people it's it's a lot of fun and it was it did not disappoint here in this tag team match it was it, it was refreshing to see violence forever again number one what the fuck is dominic Garini's hair i know but look at ku ku is very lucky in that he's getting away with having really stupid hair because his tag team partner's hair is even stupider it's like Dom is someone that like I'm like I've grown I've grown to like and appreciate over the years. 
but I'm not gonna lie. Like I revert, I reverted back to a point where I, was like, I don't know if I even want to watch this at this point when he came when he came out like that. But no, like of course, like <laughs> like 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 the Reedy well, and Cooper are always really fun together, and like like Christian and Zane can be can be good good athletic ragdolls. So like the main appeal here is just watching them kick the shit out of those two, and like that's exactly what it got. Like you know, it was 12 minutes, maybe a little bit too much for that. Probably they could have did that in like seven, but like. You know, like all you want, all you want to see there is Dominic and Kevin beat the shit out of those two, and like I, I got enough of that. Yeah, that's what we got. That's basically what I was trying to say. You just said it a lot better, so <laughs> fuck you. Um, AJ Gray versus Eric Royal. We get replaced here. I got some inside intel that uh, Eric Royal got this spot from a from a last minute cancellation. And, uh, you know, he was replacing someone on short notice. And I'm not going to complain about it because Eric Royal comes out. Eric Royal is in full on fucking, you know, kente cloth with the big pineapple fucking braids. I love, I love Eric Royal. As someone who's been watching Eric Royal since he was the big chubby yeah. guy in the singlet, um, I just love the way that his fucking look has, has, Evolved, has, yeah. uh, has developed over the time. Like, he is like black excellence when he comes out, but he's like so. I don't know. He feels timeless. He, Eric Royal feels like a, a wrestler. You could be watching footage from like 60s, 70s. You could be watching wrestling WWE or whatever from like the 80s. Like, he, like Eric Royal could be he, he, basically he's like one of the rare guys that fit like yeah. every time period you can think of. And it's like it's like so great. And then like on the other hand, like we have AJ Gray, and like AJ Gray would have been like perfect ECW shit. Like, <laughs> but but yes. like it was so yeah. funny to me like. <laughs> like Eric Royal coming out to coming out to his uh, loud ass schoolboy Q song, then obviously AJ Gray AJ Gray coming up coming out to uh, Flocka. Like it was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's it's realistically yeah. Like these guys, they in some ways they mirror each other. In some ways they're very different. Like I said, AJ Gray feels timeless. Or no, Eric Royal feels timeless. Eric Royal feels like a guy that could. That could fit in any period, and when you talk about it, I was talking about it earlier with AJ Gray becoming a deathmatch wrestler and like him being an ECW kind of guy. Like AJ fits a very particular niche. Like he could be the ECW guy, and then he's really perfect right now. Like ECW, like ECW, like early Impact, like like he like like that like that's like his like right. that would that would be his his sweet spot there. Yeah, he's very modern. I guess I would say he's he's definitely of of the time. I mean, um, uh, which is to say, like anyway, this was mean as fuck, and I loved it. Like, I wish I, I kind of wish yeah. he got like a, yeah. a little bit more time, but this was like mean and nasty and petty and just like Eric Royal looked awesome. He looked like he was juiced to be in front of a crowd and um and, and like you know be on a stream where a lot of people are watching and get, and get the show off. Like, remember like Eric Eric Royal like. His last big looks came from Nova Pro, with with Nova Pro no longer existing. Like, this was a really like even if there's like there's a second match on the show, AJ Gray isn't the champion there any isn't the champion there anymore. Even though he has cachet there, like this was a really good look for Eric Royal, and he took full advantage of this. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it was a lot of fun. I I could like you said, I could definitely have appreciated it being longer, but real mean guy match with two fuckers like who can just beat the shit out of each other who can kind of go at it both super athletic like obviously AJ Gray can do some high flying stuff Eric Royal can is can be quick can be very fast and has some hops you know he can move and so 
showing that off. And it wasn't that long ago that, you know, we were talking about Eric Royal as, is this not the best wrestler on the world, potential-wise, performance-wise? Could this guy not be in the conversation as the actual best wrestler in the world who's just not getting the chances? And he's not far from that peak. Like, realistically, what, what he can deliver physically in the ring, and not just physically, mentally. Eric Royal's a guy who gets overlooked, and, and I mean, we talked about it earlier. Like, I'm sorry, but with the passing of, of Kamala recently, I think this is something that people kind of overlook is like, it's colorism. It's really easy to look at black wrestlers and whatever gimmick they play, with Kamala being like a very huge example of this as a guy who plays a stereotype gimmick. The psychology, the brain power, the smarts, the, the work when it comes to the intellect side of it gets overlooked because you think of savage black man who's not very smart and that's you know that's just the way some people look at it but Kamala wasn't a fucking amazing worker like when it came to working that gimmick and you can say that it was a stereotype and it was it was racist and it was but he made the most of it by being very intelligent and having that you know having that uh that level of like crowd work and into intuition and understanding how to work a crowd and it gets overlooked and just looked at like oh it's you know he's just a goofy gimmick and eric royal is another guy who i think that colorism can make people overlook just how fucking good he is at working eric royal is a really smart fucking worker and so not just physically but and not just like not just mentally like he puts it together and delivers to a point where like he's one of the best wrestlers on the planet and he just unfortunately doesn't get his due and you talked about it with nova pro actually giving him a shot where you got to see him be a big deal and cwf mid-atlantic how we got to see so much of what he can really do and and here it's not as much it's nine minutes but again you still see flashes of the greatness that is eric royal and uh, aj gray not far off aj gray is also fantastic eric royal is someone because like obviously like we're still going to wind up doing like our top 50 of the decade when it, when, it, when it comes to like uh, December and like Eric Royal is someone that I want to go back and watch some CWF stuff and when I think about like how much he did there like I'm, I'm really curious about how high I can realistically wind up having Eric Royal on my top 50 list yeah no that's uh, that's definitely a, a, a really solid shout because I couldn't imagine like he can he can definitely be up there. I'm trying like, to like imagine like, 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 like remember I'm floor, floor like, rem- like, like, rem- like remember what he was for okay. CWF like for so long too, like it, right. he has he yeah. has a good shot. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like base like basement for him is like 20s, but I could see him going as high as you know top 10, top five. Like I could definitely see it depending on how much you put stock in something like that in CWF like one place and being such a regional but the, I mean the other part of it too is that they ran every two weeks he ran, he wrestled twice a month it might be regionally and it might be small but twice a month and consistently being you know one of the best wrestlers in the world for pretty much the entire decade like I, I do think that there is some argument there for for like yeah, like he can definitely end up pretty high. I don't think I would have him in the top five. I don't think I would, but like you said, looking back on it, it's not out of the question. Um, follow that up. We got Warhorse versus Dasher Hatfield. Um, he's being presented as a very good professional wrestler now. 
Um, makes sense, right? This is create a wrestler. <laughs> you know, it's like he's not um, he's not like afraid of having ridiculously gimmicky names. He's done it in the past. I think maybe people forget that. But uh, but he comes out here. He works with Warhorse. Um, Warhorse, a guy who me and you have both... Actually, I think you more than me. Um, not a huge fan of Warhorse. Um, I have always been okay. I don't think he's great. Um, I thought he was good in the Vikings. I liked him in the Viking War Party, you know? Um... I think as a singles and as a champion, he's really grown into this gimmick in a way that works. And I think that he he held up his end of the bargain here against um, Dasher, who was, like, showing off. And I haven't seen a ton of the heel Dasher. I've seen a he's bit right there. He's like, really obviously good. The big, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the big mass versus match match with, uh, with Boomer was, like, amazing. Um, and he's continued on from there. Uh, some of the King of Trio stuff with the Hatfields and the McCoys was really fun. Um, so it's like he's had some, he's definitely had some good stuff, but like, I don't know. It's such a weird thing because he's got the Jakara thing. He feels like a Jakara cast off too much. And like a very good professional wrestler. I don't know if that can become I mean, something. I mean, like, remember, this is, tw- but, this, is 20, this is 2020 where we've seen like, so many different like 2020 in the last couple of years we've seen so many different things take off and like with Dasher right. like, even if like the name is like you know like tongue in cheek and jokey like when Dasher gets in the ring especially as a heel like Dasher is very believable very snug very stiff does everything like super prof- proficiently like even if the name might throw some people off like he like I can, I can see it working yeah well, I would hope that it would, honestly. I would hope that some people could start making something from this. Because he fits into the mix. We're talking about, you know, Jeremy Wyatt, Freddie Ahai, Grisham, Makabe, Lee Moriarty. Like, the wrestlers. The wrestlers wrestlers. Oh, Alex Shelley. Yeah, yeah like, right? like, like, the like, the trend wrestlers. is changing. Like, it's funny, because, like, obviously, like, I'm, 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 big, I'm big into rap music. And a thing that I've noticed about rap music is, like, it kind of feels like the era of like the Kendrick the J. Cole Drake Big Crit Big Sean Wale like those kind of guys might be the last like quote unquote lyrical guys of of like of like for yeah. like for the next few years really because like when you look at the horizon when it's everyone like Lil Baby and Roddy Rich and Gunna and like and everyone else is like that's like popping now like you look at it and it's like as far as like what, what people call the lyricist at the downplay like Lil Baby or Roddy Rich as rappers or Gunna or Gunna as a rapper but like the only quote unquote rapper's rapper that's like here is like is like YBN Corday. so it's like kind of funny to see like wrestling have a resurgence of like the technical wrestling and the nerd bait or uh, smart wrestling if you call it and then like another thing that I'm really into is just like we don't know when we're gonna see like uh more like rappers rappers again yeah yeah that's really that's a a very apt comparison and i've always you know i'm a i'm a i'm a rap fan i've been a fan of hip-hop for a long time and when it ebbs and flows when there's like quality lyricists like you know i was i was into like west coast gangster rap when i was in middle school and shit because dude like you know what i realized about myself as i got older 
I hate West Coast rap. Like like eighties, nineties West Coast rap, I fucking hate it. Like Yeah, yeah. I can't blame you. I can't I can't blame you. Like I said, I, I grew up on it, so it's like it just feels like so ubiquitous that it's hard for me to even say what my opinion is of it. Um but then like when the game showed up, I was kinda like I was like into it because of having that like built up like love of like West Coast like you know what I mean? Like having the like yeah, this is West Coast the right, reps right, for right. West Coast. That was like pretty cool. But that was like weird, like nostalgia West Coast rap, which was like very interesting. Yeah, he, to think gang, about. gang, but, like, gang created like his own genre. Like cool. it was pretty much just like it's West Coast rap, but it's like nostalgia West Coast rap entirely. Where it's like I remember listening yeah. to Dr. Dre. I was like, oh, okay, like I, I get it. <laughs> sure, yeah, but he was good. I mean, like I said, like it was hard for me to like separate the nostalgia thing for that because I did enjoy it for that. But and in general, it's hard to like even. Talk about Dude, like, I, like, like like comparing like Ice Cube like, sucks. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like, like I like, like, oh, like yeah. I go back, no, like I go back to that course. shit, and I'm like, man, like he has his classic songs, like and classic songs might be even strong. Like he might have like he has like one or two really as far as like his solo catalog, but like Ice Cube sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's not, he's not, he's not a great rapper, um, but. Again, like I said, I'm just like, oh, of it's course. hard for me to, to hate because it's so, yeah, but it is what it is. Ice Cube, not very good. You're right about that. Um, but like comparing wrestling to rap is like pretty solid because there is the like that direct connection between like technical skill and like flashy uh-huh. bravado and like rap, rap and wrestling really like mirror in that sense. And it is like. Uh, my my appreciation ebbs and flows, but there are times like the SoundCloud movement that just like kind of feels like it's, it's dying it's, 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 or like kind of it's, it's, it's over off now. Or... I would say like because now like because like because like, the point of SoundCloud yeah. is over. Like now that like Apple Music and Spotify and Tidal and all these other streaming services let you upload mixtapes um, to to like uh, to the right. to the service, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter now. Like the point of a SoundCloud or a DatPath or a live mixtapes like. Is no is no is no longer needed, right? So yeah, but like even the concept yeah. of it as a genre, not even just like the SoundCloud service itself, it feels like it's been overtaken by like hyperpop, where like a lot of because I I was hearing today recently like some fucking random ass playlist that I found that I don't even know whose playlist it was that was like internet people, and it like started out with like some like hyperpop stuff but then it like mixed into like some like stuff that sounded like soundcloud rap but like was like again like a mix of like like pc music hyperpop and like soundcloud rap where it's like i feel like soundcloud rap has just gotten taken over by like the the pc music and um and uh like hyperpop kind of thing where it's like if you kind of do that you can basically just like integrate into that which is like kind of delving into this weird like 2000s nostalgia thing where it's like new metal is coming back and scene scene kid stuff is coming back where it's like all mixing together and it's like it feels like that kind of vibe is getting i don't know like phased out and i mean comparatively when you talk about technical rapping ability i don't think anyone would argue that soundcloud rap is like technically proficient rap so i feel like that scene is dying out and will probably the way that things wax and wane and ebb and flow, that'll probably get replaced with something that's a little bit more technical, like rapping ability. But we'll, yeah, I'm, we'll cu- see. I'm curious, like just because like I wouldn't be people wouldn't consider Drake a lyricist, but like 
when you compare Drake to everybody else, it's like coming up now. It's like, oh, like you kind of appreciate Drake as a rapper a little bit more. Like, so it's like, it's, it's kind of like this funny, like, right, like now, like the generation I grew up listening to are like the elder statesmen in hip hop, even though they're only like thirty three and thirty four years old. So like now, like when now when this is happening, it's like people the people that are like, oh, like Drake Drake is a pop star, Drake isn't really a rapper. And then, like, you see everyone else coming up, it's like, oh, like, no, like, Drake is more of a rapper than, like, people ever gave him credit for. Right. I mean, I mean, I feel like it's poised to come back, because there's also, like, all the mumble, like, mumble rap stuff, it feels like it's dying out, too. Like, I just, I feel like when, like, the SoundCloud and the mumble rap thing are all kind of dying, like, the next thing has to be something that's a little bit more it, technical. It, 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 it would make sense, but at the same the time, wrestling. like... The mumble rap, mumble, the mumble rap label never even made sense because like the people that they called mumblers like didn't even mumble. Like I guess like Twenty One Savage is the only one that I would say ever mumbled. Maybe Future, I guess Young Thug. But like yeah. you try to say about like try to say about like uh, about Yachty, Kodak, Uzi. And I'm like I'm like, who, like yeah, that's... they don't even mumble. <laughs> no, no, no. They, I mean, realistically, the only mumble rap was like. Exactly the three that you just said. Maybe Migos here and there, but not even. And then even like in the, like, if you say Migos, it's just um, it's just takeoff. Yeah. Like, like it's not like it's not it's not Quavo or right. Offset that are that are mumbling. Right. Exactly. So it's yeah. It's 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 like Savage and Future and Future. Like I always remember fucking Future and some fucking interview talking about Tony Montana, like recording that song and talking about. Dr- drinking so much lean that he couldn't move his lips while he was saying Tony Montana and I'm like that why is this something that you're bragging about dude this is not like you're basically saying I got so high I couldn't do my, my like, job my mouth my and mouth it's like you're bragging function. about it yeah I couldn't move my mouth because of how high I was and it's like I don't know we've we've me and you have barely t- and I've actually thought about asking you this but might as well just get into it on podcast but like I don't think that you're, like, a drug guy, and I used to be a drug guy, but I'm really not anymore, but, like, I couldn't imagine bragging about being so high on drugs that I can't talk when my job is talking as, like, a positive. It just feels, like, beyond the pale, but, like, yeah, like, that just, that was a crazy, that's always a thing that sticks in my head where I'm like, the fuck, man? Like, like that's that's a weird thing to be, like, telling the story about. Well, as well like, Future, cool. like, people question his credibility as far as, like, how has he actually done neat? Like, so, like, for, like, and I'm, <laughs> it's a weird thing to get into on a show. But, like, so, like, Lil hey, Wayne, if it. you look at Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne is 37 years old. And if you look at, look at a picture of Lil Wayne right now, Lil Wayne looks like he's been through some shit. Like, and he's only 37. Yeah. Future and Lil Wayne are damn near the same age. They might be the same age, and Future might be older than him. Like, because Future just probably happened, happened to pop off later in his life. Um... Right, and Little Wayne popped off really, really early because like when like, Hot like, Boys four, hit, like Wayne was like, he was like fourteen. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, look at Future, and then look at Little Wayne at the same age. Look at Future's skin, how healthy his hair looks, like how like every, and then look at Little Wayne. <laughs> like, like again, like, that's not to say that people can't like you know like still like maintain healthy features while being you know drug addicts, but the way that like Future claims to do drugs. And then how his body still looks, and then the Wayne, and then the way Lil Wayne still looks, and like all of his seizure scares and everything, like people kind of even question like Future's credibility as far as like, like are you even doing this stuff? Right, which is almost even worse. Oh, to oh yeah, think because that, like, like 
He's bragging about not well, being well, able because, to talk. Like, it's, because like whether like people like it's a it's a direct correlation whether like whether people want to like admit that or not, and they're like you know, like whether you want to blame the musicians like someone like Future, like even if like he didn't popularize drinking lean, if you want to, like say like Lil Wayne popularized it and like Gucci Mane popularized it or whatever, like Future like made a made a living off of talking about lean and drinking lean, like. Right. And if it comes out that this dude didn't talk, didn't ever really drink lean like that, and he's responsible for so many kids all over the world growing up and getting inspired to do drugs, like that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And Grant, I'm a, I'm a future, I'm a future fan. It's, I like Future's music, like unabashedly. I enjoy Future's music too. a lot, but it's like it's almost like this thing where like you don't wish someone's a drug addict. But if this dude isn't a drug addict, then you're like, man, what the fuck did you... Like, you just caused all this mayhem and destruction in the rap world. Like, for what? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, this is coming from someone who got insanely high and made a bunch of really bad decisions in my life. I couldn't imagine anything worse than pretending like I got really high and made a bunch of bad decisions in my life. Like, it sucked being a fucking, like, a druggie who, like, all you did was, like, do that stuff constantly, and that was, like, it. You're just, like, kind of a loser. But I couldn't imagine, like, aspiring to be a fucking loser like that. Like, I I just, it's weird, man. Um, Fuck, there was something that, oh, okay, this popped in my head a while ago, um, and figure it comes up here but there was like that kid that posted something about like slowing down music and putting <laughs> reverb on it and then everyone on on fucking twitter started dunking on them because like dj screw inv- they, they, you invented chopped and screwed music fuck you and i was like i i get it but also like all of the people that were talking shit do they they were just like fully cyber bullying a child and it's like Come on, man! Kids are allowed no, no, to be stupid. Of course, Just it was, let them be stupid. Funny. And like, I guess, it's, like, like, and I understand yeah. like the bigger point. Like, I spoke to, like to, to the to the whitewashing of an entire like subgenre of hip hop. So I understood that, but at the same time, that's right. a child, right? Like, like if that child yeah. found like slow music on YouTube through a producer named Slater, then that's where they found the music at. And so like. You know, if that's a kid, then you just educate the kid. Like, so I, I, I got, I got, I got a really good right. laugh out of that. Cause it was like, oh man, like people have been slowing down music forever. But that's a fucking like little like fifteen year old, sixteen year old white kid, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's just to me, it was like the people who were just being like super like vindictive and mean. I was just like. Come on, what do you expect? Like, kids are supposed to be dumb. Can we not let kids be stupid of course, sometimes? Like, you, like, of course. There's, just, there's a, lot of th- a, lot of, a lot of things about, like, now where, like, you can't afford to, like, you know, say something stupid and then be like, oh, my bad, that was stupid, and then just move on from that. Like, 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 if I, like, had all my stupid music okay. opinions that I, like, had from when I was, like, 13 or 14 years old, and, like, <laughs> like I would have got clamped ridiculously, like... When I was like fourteen and fifteen, like I was like, you know, man, is Jay Z really that good? You know, I was I was saying shit that like Aaliyah was carried by the fact that she had like Timbaland and Missy Elliott doing stuff for her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like now, like now that I'm twenty three, it's like you know what? Like Aaliyah's pretty good. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know what I was thinking. Um, yeah, I just, I, I feel like you're allowed to be stupid and just let kids be dumb sometimes. And it, again, it is, it's funny, but yeah, I, I, I saw exactly what you're talking about where it's like whitewashing, like pe- the people who were taking the, like, this kid is a white supremacist no. angle oh, oh. on it and being like, you're whitewashing the genre. It's like, come yeah, on. Like, that, that wasn't too far. I understood like the fear of it though. Like this like thing that was like, like, like the fear For of sure. it. But then like, yeah, look at like, look at who's doing it. Like, this is like someone who's not even out of high school yet. Like, and that doesn't mean that you can't be racist and whitewash things right. when you're in high school. But like, let's listen to the way they're talking. Like they clearly just have no knowledge of DJ Screw in the Houston music scene. Like, and, like, that's a little different than, like, just trying to whitewash something and cultural appropriate because you just want to take it and, you know, make it, like, suitable for white ears and white eyes. Like, they just they just didn't know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. They just didn't know. But uh, that is, like, <laughs> leans over to this is, I don't know. I don't even know how to do the transition, but it is the, like, Big Floyd is... George Floyd, which I thought was fucking crazy. Like, when I found out about that, but it is like, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't read it online, that it was the same person, but that doesn't mean that I didn't know about you know, Big Floyd from the Screwed yeah, Up Yeah, like, like, that like, was, like, that I was like, man, to... like, hold on, this is the same person? <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, and then they were like, yeah, George Floyd was in the Screwed Up Click, I was like, are you, really? And then it was like, Big the, Floyd, the, the, and I'm the, like, the, wait, the, Big Floyd? Like, I knew exactly like, like, all the was. pictures and everything, it's like, wait, no, I recognize you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That was, like, fucking wild. And it is, like, yeah, it's just people can... I fucking... I knew who that was, but most people are not going to even know or remember or... You know what I mean? So it is, like, that that thing. It's, like, would you say that, like, people were whitewashing George Floyd's murder because they didn't know about DJ Screw? I don't know. What the fuck? Like, I don't know what that connection is. And and also, like... Like, people just maybe not have been exposed to... And it's also, like... Be realistic. Like I, mean, I, I was in a chat like on on a on a um on on caffeine like this new uh streaming video game site or whatever. I was I was in a, I was in a chat on there, and they were talking about how someone didn't know who um who some night who some nineties rapper who, like who some nineties rapper was. And I'm like, dude, like I know I know that like the two thousands may seem like this new like trendy thing for you guys still, but like nineteen ninety fucking six was 24 years ago now <laughs> like yeah there are people yeah. who can, like who have lived like or who are like who are legal adults that like in in the time since like biggie and tupac have died like and i know that like may sound like really hard for people to understand sometimes but like like yeah like this it's very reasonable that someone that's 18 years old has never heard a biggie song like i'm not gonna be mad at them about that that doesn't mean you right. like people do this thing where like uh oh such and such as like they'll like They'll give, like, the interviewers will give them, like, these bullshit questions about, like, these, like, about hip-hop history like that, like, that kind of, like, Tupac and Biggie, and people will take take that and run with it, like, oh, they've never heard a Biggie song, they can't quote any Biggie lyrics or Tupac lyrics. It's like, yeah, because, like, that's before their time. Give them some, like, ask them about Kanye West, ask them about Lil Wayne, ask them about, like, people like that. Like, why are you asking this 18-year-old, 17-year-old person about Tupac? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Quentin, what do you know about Alexander the Great? Huh? <laughs> I, I, I thought I might know one thing, but I, yeah, I can't. I can't give you anything. Yeah, not much. Um, yeah, it's just I don't know, man. Like, it's everyone's frame of reference. We're all just fucking trying to get through it, and and it, as you get all, I think that so, so for me, obviously, I'm older than you by a little bit of a margin, but like, 
it's never hit me and I see a lot of people have this issue where it's like you feel old you feel bad about being old whatever it is and you like and I think that some people as they start to feel bad about it being old the only way that they can counter it is by trying to make other people feel bad yeah, yeah. for being young <laughs> you know what I mean and I'm like nah man that's not gonna fix it like again this goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the prison abolition thing it's like you're not gonna fix you feeling old by making other people feel bad about being young it's like you're just doing and you're trying to fix a negative with and more then, and negative then even, and then even like, then like trying to shame someone to... for being young like they're not gonna give a fuck like you're like you're not like like oh you've never heard of you never heard of biggie i was like dude i don't care i'm busy listening to like whatever like mixtape that just came out i don't give a shit about what you're talking about <laughs> right you're not going to make my life better or worse by like knowing about something like, i don't know about because the stuff that i know like about, I you like. can like 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 for me, like, for, like, what I do and for what I like, like, I grew up with a dad that, like, played fucking A Tribe Called Quest and Taleb Kweli and Most Def and Sean Price and Onyx and all that kind of stuff. So, like, that's what I come from. So, like, the way I am at 23 years old isn't the way that everyone else was raised at their age. Like, my dad rapped. My dad was part of, like, the New, like, like the New York rap community. My dad, like, hung out with, like, 50 Cent and Jam Master J and met, and met Rick Rubin and did all that kind of stuff. Like, so the way, like, I'm raised and the way, like, I view music isn't going to be the way that, like, you should expect, like, everyone in their 20s to, like, have this view of hip-hop. Because, like, everyone that's my age, they think, like, Lil, they think Lil Wayne's the best rapper ever. Like. <laughs> Fuck, I mean, not even just people your age. I remember when, like, 10 years ago when I was in my 20s, I talked to people and they bought into it because Lil Wayne said it enough times in his songs that he was the greatest rapper alive. I remember debating with people. Like, about the idea that he was right, that he was the greatest rapper of life. Ten years ago with people who are now in their 30s, yeah. they bought into it because of just him saying it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like, the idea that someone in their 20s wouldn't just completely accept it because he said it enough. Like, are you kidding me? Of course. Anthony Henry versus Benjamin Carter. <laughs> As we, uh, transit. Great match. Great really, match. Really good match. I, I didn't realize how much I missed Anthony Henry. Until I watched this match. Heal Anthony <laughs> Henry. Heal Anthony Henry. We've talked about him before. At least I know I have. It may have been somewhere else. But Heal Anthony Henry is one of the best wrestlers. Like, I love Anthony Henry as a heel. He's so good. Especially here. He's smarmy. He's domineering. He's shitty. He's working this smaller baby face. He's he just mean. Benjamin Carter. Yeah. Just yeah, mean, nasty. He, Anthony Henry is a really good mix, man, because he's old school Southern style heel, but he's updated to modern day. He's got the MMA stuff. He can work grimy. He's aggressive. He's violent. Like he does stuff that looks so fucking violent compared to what you would expect when you compare him to like kind of you know modern day wrestlers. Or when you compare him to, like, the old school style that he can work, but then, like, he updates it with the, like, the violence and the hammer fists and the stuff that just feels, like, really inspired and influenced by modern MMA. Like, he is so fucking good. Domineering heel. 100% just ass kicker shitty. No, no redeeming qualities. You don't ever, like, like him, even though he's, like, in control the entire time. Yeah. Heel Anthony Henry. And it's I was thinking about it. With the the tag team, the the workhorsemen in in uh, Evolve, 
and uh, how they were supposed to be this big thing and Gabe and Evolve and all that was supposed to make something from him. And then before them, it was fucking Doom Patrol. And, oh, they're this big tag team who's having these great matches and doing all these spots. And they're supposed to get something. And coming out of that, neither one of those fucking teams got jack shit. And you come out of it and you got Chris Dickinson. He's a big deal in GCW. And you got Anthony Henry showing up here in Black Label Pro kicking ass here. And it's just like, these fucking guys wasted such a big chunk of their career trying to fucking chase after Gabe helping them make something out of their career by doing these fucking spot chasing, fest ch- chasing, chasing both Gabe's guys dangling are... carrot. Like, no. Yeah. Well, both guys could have been fucking just continuing their to hone their craft and be great fucking singles wrestlers, and instead they were wasting their fucking time doing spot fest tag matches to fill out cards for Gabe. And Anthony Henry is, like, such a, such a huge example of just fucking how much of a waste of time that was because Anthony Henry has been this fucking good for so goddamn long. It sucks to like just, imagine if imagine if a, if if an AEW existed like at the time when he was first getting his initial buzz coming out coming out of the first SCI. Yeah. Like if he was able to like do the first SCI uh parlay his like parlay his PWX momentum uh into into like a couple of evolved bookings and then jump to to an AEW where he could have been like a cornerstone guy on the TV like that's perfect because like Anthony Anthony Henry was already up there in age when he when he uh, when the first SCI happened. He already been around forever. Like he's a wild side yeah. guy. He's been around. He's been around for a long time. Yeah. So sit there and like and really think that like this like this talented of a guy, like even if the Workhorsemen were a good team, and not to say like to say not to say that they didn't produce any quality like any any quality wrestling, but even if they're a good team, like Anthony Henry has proven it time and time again that like. He can be a guy that you like. He's not even not your main guy, or even like maybe not even a top five guy. He's a guy that's really useful and could have been used to like build something and like be a cornerstone of a TV. And like hopefully with Eddie Kingston getting signed by AEW, and we know Eddie's Eddie's a a vet in the game and is uh other than like being a very solid wrestler, is an excellent promo and he has multiple different uses that he can be put into. Anthony Henry is just a guaranteed good match. And I really hope to I really hope to see see if he gets yeah. an opportunity to work AEW. Yeah, well, I mean, comparing those guys is really really solid. Kingston has a little bit more vers- versatility, especially because of his promo ability. But Anthony Henry is a guy that, like you said, he, like he not your main guy, whatever can be the top five, but he's also can easily be heated up. I mean, it only takes probably a really quick like three or four match program that I think you could heat. Anthony Henry up to being like a championship challenger. Right. You know what I mean? So you talk about him being like a not the number one guy, but you can definitely build him up really quickly, credibly, to be like a believable challenger on just a random whatever show. So yeah, he's like such a solid utility guy. Put him out there with anyone, help get people over, and then whenever you want to flip the switch and and make him heat him up and make him into a big deal, you can do it relatively quickly. And just, just yeah, so instrumental and so like fluidly can like mix up throughout the card and 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 actually mean something or just again fill roles whatever. Um, follow that up, uh, Alex Shelley, Isaiah Velasquez. Um, I mean, what do you say? Two really solid workers. Um, Wait, hold match. on. Chadwick like, Bosman just died. What the fuck? What the fuck? 
this cannot be. Apparently, he has he, he had stage no. three cancer, which barely anyone knew about. Apparently, Jesus Christ! What the what fuck? is God? Twenty twenty is the worst fucking. That is ridiculous. That is absolutely insane. What? Oh Lord, man! <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is everywhere. Oh this is, Lord, I mean, man! Four years. He had colon cancer for four I years. No, I, I like I, on some level, like I, I, yeah, obviously, like I appreciate that, like the dude was able to have his privacy in such trying times, but no one knew about that. Right. I mean, he's been in multiple movies within the the time period that he had. I mean, in, I was gonna say you could like say he made his career within the time that he's been. He he he's not even around. He was he was, he was Jackie Robinson, but before. like, yeah, like he's the Black Panther forever. Like, 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 yeah. Wow. Jesus Christ. Uh, huh? I, I, yeah. Let's let's just, let's just get this done with. Okay. Um. Fuck. <laughs> Isaiah Velasquez versus Alex Shelley. Oh, ben- Benjamin, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Carter is really good. I love Benjamin Carter. Like, yeah. like he has everything that you want. He has the like. He's a really good, genuine baby face. He's not like Blake Christian, Alex Zane, where like they have to like you know sell so when they get to their spots, like the spots you know make like you know can even like make sense or you know feel like they're worth anything. Like he's a really good baby face that can do all the flying and all the athletic shit. And he's going to and he's going to be a really big star one day. Yeah, he's he's a guy that like got exposed to a little bit here and there obviously from the Dylan the Dylan Hillsverse or whatever. Um and then just continuing to watch him, he's developing super well. Um I guess speaking of shout out to Dylan. I don't know if he's even going to listen to this, but he used to. Um but uh but yeah like he's so good and and i heard someone talking about that like the mix of like the idea that he's having a bunch of different types of matches really helps like uh helps him be able to like you know be as good as he is right now from Um, from marshall to the five bloods uh august wilson's august wilson's ma rainey's black bottom and several more all were found during and between countless surgeries and chemotherapy Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, yeah. Isaiah Velasquez versus Alex Shelley. Um I'm really glad I'm really glad that Isaiah gets to like go out there and have these kind of matches just cuz he's been a supremely talented guy and someone that I always wanted to see do more outside of uh, outside of freelance. And Alex Shelley is just he keeps getting better somehow. Like not that, like you know, he's always been amazing, but like just this Recent run he's had from from uh from like now up until up until last year like the dude just doesn't miss like he is just always just a constant yeah. great match he is great in a series whether it's like right here versus uh versus Isaiah or with Gresham or Lee Moriarty like this guy just knows how to build into it and build it build his matches as a series and I love his. Like little like cheap like smarmy tactics that he employs even while being a babyface like just like 
good, like, smart vet stuff. He obviously is still as, still as crisp as ever and still as fluid as ever. And Isaiah is someone that comes from that, like, come, come from that family tree. And, you know, it's it, it was really good, man. I, I enjoy these two together. Their series is tied to one-to-one, so you can imagine a rubber, rubber match is coming. But I could watch Alex Shelley wrestle all day, and him and Isaiah are a great pairing. Yeah. I mean, you hit everything there. Shelly developing into the elder statesman role while, like, while being, like, a functioning adult outside of wrestling. Really impressive. <laughs> like, this guy is, like, he's got a shoot job. He's super smart. He was, you know, he was, like, early, I remember early on, he was one of the first people who, like, pulled out of the WXW booking, like, saying, like, you know, I work with the elderly and I'm not going to risk this because of that. And it's like, that was like so fucking early on that it was like, and not only, and not only that, like, remember like, he was like he was flirting with the with the WWE deal this year, and like he was like, man, like yeah. I, look, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. So to be a guy who, who, clearly has his shit together outside of wrestling, um, with like a professional career, and then also to see him develop into this again elder statesman of wrestling i wouldn't have predicted this i i was a fan of alex shelley i liked the like early roh stuff um the tna stuff like everything he did i was always a big fan of the guy and obviously like he's so fucking good and and hits like the style that i've always liked with his like grappling and mat wrestling stuff that he's like so fucking good at so he's always going to have been someone who I was really into but like I did I wouldn't have predicted him to be the kind of guy who grows into this role so well but like with the seek and destroy stuff and the amount of time that he puts into actually helping develop talent we talk about it here Isaiah's Lee Moriarty like he's actually working really hard to foster a future his his online feud with Dan Makabe is like been very fun but it's like it's so cool to see someone like Alex Shelley, who's like obviously taking interest in another very talented wrestler. Like he's enjoying it. He's just enjoying life, and it's like it's so cool to see someone like that who is just like I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. He's just like fucking chill. He's like very chill and very good, and he's just like able to like enjoy stuff and just like do his thing and like. Maybe everything isn't, like, the coolest thing ever, but it's, like, it's him. It's Alex Shelley. This match was great, obviously. Him and Velasquez should continue this. Like you said, they come out of the same schools, and they, they have, like, a very similar backgrounds, so it makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, great stuff. Velasquez, Isaiah's Velasquez, I don't know. I, with, like, fucking... Prince Ali being in WWE and doing his whole thing—it's like really weird. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird that Isaiah is like Like it's, it's really weird. Yeah, he's just like trolling around the Indies because I'm just like I don't know what the fuck is going on. But who knows, man? I mean, I think from what I've seen, let's get into like weird social media stuff. What I see on social media it looks like him and Kylie Rae are back together. Um, she left AEW for whatever reason, so who knows? Maybe they just like. They don't work. Maybe their personalities don't work on mainstream wrestling. Well, I thought thought Kylie went went to Impact. She is on Impact. They're not a mainstream wrestling entity, right? They're like a fringe wrestling company. 
like you know they're like really small at this point like comparatively so yeah she's an impact and and so i just think maybe they don't maybe the big spotlights are not meant for them i guess would be the the kind of takeaway from that i don't know we'll see um lee moriarty currently my number one um my number one guy, my number one wrestler that I get the most excited about when his music hits. I uh, can't help it. It it does it doesn't hurt that like you know I know his his song when his song hits I know exactly who it is and I get super hyped. Um, comes out with the fucking Tiger style the mask on and hits the hits the the swaying arms dance as it comes to the ring but. Lee Moriarty is my dude right now, man. Like, I just, I fucking love this guy. Yeah, I, um, like, he's all, like, he's another one where it's just like, every single time I see him, it's like, man, like, dude just always, always is a good match. Yeah. Love watching him. Um, he comes out here against a guy who used to be one of my number one guys. Josh Alexander, the walking weapon. I don't know if you remember this time, but there was a time period where, Josh Alexander was high on my list for like people that I love to watch. Just intensity, fucking sick brawling fighter. Just like his shit always comes across super real. And they go out here together and they are just beating the fuck out of each other. And Lee Moriarty, I have seen, you know, enough of him at this point to where. I really enjoy him in settings where he's like getting to show off that finesse and the technical stuff that he can do, like the Alex Zane match or the Alex Shelley matches, where he's like really getting to show off his technical stuff. And then, like, even when he's getting like random showcase matches on bigger shows, um, and you get to see some like cool, interesting things that like weird rolling fucking uh, transition into the Stingray the other day that he did against like Trey Lamar. I was like, what the fuck? That was so cool. Like, all that stuff, but what I've started to really appreciate as well is shit like this, where he's fighting like a fucking, just a, where he's going up against a fighter, and this is just a Pier 6 brawl, where he's like, hitting some like token, like, technical wrestling spots, or some like, randomly super crisp strikes that come out of nowhere, but throughout the match, he's just like he's having a fucking fight and Josh Alexander is a fighter so seeing Lee Moriarty get in here and just scrap with the scrapper while also like showing off some stuff like doing the double stuff on the arm like targeted kind of stuff like that the big fucking like a uh, cyclone kill like stuff like that where it's like he's showing off some like some of his technical pinpoint stuff but mostly he's just like dealing with going up against a big bruiser and like trying to counter him here and there when he can like this is this is honestly where I'm really liking Lee Moriarty and it's like part of why I get where people really like the Chris Dickinson matches, and I can understand that, but I feel like Josh Alexander, for me personally, does a better job of, like, holding up his end of the bargain when it comes to, like, um, playing the uh, the the heavy against uh, the technical side of the you Did you watch uh, Josh Alexander versus Daniel Garcia from last year in C4? Yeah, so yes, like that's yes, exactly, yes. Like that's what that, yes. like, for like as inconsistent as Josh can be, like that's his sweet spot. Like being like a like he's a big fucking huge guy in the in the, in the realm of indie wrestling that wears headgear. Like just be a fucking bully. Like 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 this is exactly like the kind of thing he should be. Like Lee's fighting back, Lee's fighting from underneath the entire time, and Josh Alexander just like swatting him away. Like Josh Alexander 
as much as like maybe he didn't live up to the, like the hype and potential that like me and you might have had for him in, in, in like in our heads is like what he could be like I think that like his real sweet spot is he's kind of like mat like matches where he's like a, where he's like a grumpy vet going up going up against these like newer like upstart guys who are smaller than him because like I think more than anybody right now that we have like Josh Alexander gives off that like prickish like senior at high school vibe. When it comes when it when it comes to yes. uh, wrestling these guys, yeah, no, being like a, a domineering bully who can he can hold his own on the mat when he needs to here and there for like counter like he's a good counter wrestler, but he's not like a it's not that's like not his game. He's not going to wrestle on the mat primarily. Like I'm trying to think of like good like MMA comparison of like someone who's a who's primarily a striker but has good like submission defense like uh maybe even like a uh, Kane Velasquez kind of compares to that like someone who's like primarily more of an on the feet fighter but can has good submission like defense like someone like that i think is like a good comparison to him like he's a good bully for a technical wrestler because like a lot of other wrestlers will get outshone by their technical skill but like he can def- he can defend against technical wrestling he it's, it's it's he's the perfect counter for it because like he has like his own background being like a credible amateur wrestler. So like when you see him going go up, go up against those guys, like it's almost like it makes more sense than like seeing like a Chris Dickinson do it. Uh, I, I would say. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um. So yeah. From there, you want to get into uh the match of the night for for people who are just purely watching wrestling on aesthetics. <laughs> If all you're looking for is like stuff that's weird looking, dude, or things that I thought just, like I I draw thought Walter looked like a giant baby. Bastard Cassidy uh-huh. takes the fucking cake. Like I was yeah. so confused the entire time that I looked at him, and it doesn't fuck out that Tom Lawler has like these like painted on like like <laughs> yes. like like Daisy Dukes. Like like there was so much going on yeah. here. Like, yep, it's. It's so much fun. This is, again, like I said, this is the aesthetic match of the night. Because, like, watching Tom Lawler looking like a, like, I don't know, like a a, a lumberjack from a gay porn, basically. Like, what the fuck is this? And the, Tom Lawler is the weirdest thing because, I don't know, like, having gear that had Condom Depot logo on his ass felt like it was the pinnacle of bad wrestling gear. But this motherfucker... Puts it over he the goes, top. He goes fucking yeah, full. Like um, Alex da- Alex Daniels and has like another an even smaller pair of shorts yeah. under his shorts already. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he comes out here and he's going up against Bastard Cassidy, who yeah, like um, he's his you know his nickname is the redheaded stepson or the redheaded stepchild, but like. He looks like he could be my redheaded like, stepkid. Like, like who he let looks, it? Like, it, like I, I feel yeah. like I was looking at the child that had tattoos. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? And this motherfucker, again, we were talking about earlier. I think he's had like less than twenty matches, and every one of his matches that I've seen, which is like, you know, I've seen maybe like eight or nine Bastard Cassidy matches at this point. So I've seen like at least half of his match of every match that he's had and uh every time he looks about this good like i'm not gonna lie like the first time i saw this guy i was in the in the same fucking camp as everyone who's like 
what the fuck is this? But I saw him because we'll get into it later, or we'll get into it in the next match with Calvin Tankman. But uh, Calvin Tankman was the champion in um, in uh, Lucha Bizarro Lucha. And so I went through and I was like watching all the Bizarro Lucha stuff because I was such a big fan of Calvin Tankman. And that was the first time that I saw Bastard Cassidy show up was on a Bizarro Lucha show. And this fucking guy is so weird looking because I, I don't know if that was like the first match that he ever had or the first match that showed up on tape where you could like actually watch it. But it was the first time I saw this motherfucker and I don't know of anybody else. Like a lot of other people have never seen this guy before. And he is like shockingly looks like just a giant baby in a fucking giant black diaper but he kicks ass <laughs> like i have not seen at this point i have not been disappointed by J- bastard cassidy the match is less than nine minutes this match is super quick i don't think that you can have him go for very long but i'll be damned if this motherfucker doesn't fill his role like you see bastard cassidy and what you expect is a big goofy motherfucker to just like like get his ass kicked and throw some hands here and there and that's what he does and i guess the story of this match is homeboy gets like bastard cassidy gets injured at some point pretty pretty early on um if he didn't come into the match injured but uh he delivered this whole match on like one leg one of his wheels was was bum and uh i'm not gonna lie for a fucking for a a kid with one bad leg who has only worked like 20 matches he served his role super well here even just getting his ass kicked especially you don't expect it from a big man because most big guys can't sell you know what i mean most big guys can't sell like this he sells his ass off because when the match transitions and he's injured and he can't do shit because you can you can kind of see when his leg gets fucked up and from there he sells for the basically the rest of the match like when he has to sell, he sells his fucking ass off, and he makes the match yeah, compelling like for, still. For, for so, as much uh, as he I, might wind up being a wind up being like a becoming a meme eventually, like he's solid for what he has right now. He is a solid guy. Yeah. Like, it, like he he visually he was very off putting. Like I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you, but like, yeah, I don't <laughs> like looking at him. And I kind of look like him, honestly. If you look at us, and if you looked at a picture of both of us. I don't think you would say that we're like yeah, especially especially, especially now that you shave the beard. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. But I don't like looking at him like, either. But no, like he he has a very solid base for what he is right now, and like he well, he he is the exactly the type of person that that Black Label Pro likes. Like, if they put if they put some resources yeah. behind him, keep giving him keep giving him good opportunities to go out there and have match have have matches, get indoctrinated with the crowd. Like, I don't see why he couldn't be like their version of like a like a Manders or something. Right. No, easily. Like, I mean, I was thinking about it like Brock Lesnar, but Manders similar com- like, you know, similar role. Like the the big, you know, badass, un- unbeatable thing, whatever. But like, looks weird and like is intriguing, and then also can like totally sell his ass off and lose. Like, that's why, like I said, I, I see, like, Brock Lesnar thing. He's probably not that big. But that's what I, like, look like look at him and think. Because Brock can sell, can sell his ass off. You know, and that's the same thing. Like, this guy is big and he's badass and believable. But he can also sell like mm. a motherfucker. 
I feel bad for Tom here because Tom loves to work. You know, you can, you know, Tom Lawler, like he likes to go out there and really fucking give her and have like a, a top level match. And I think that probably he probably felt bad at the end of this um, because he didn't really get to have like a top level performance because Bastard got injured like really early on. But like he still like once you could tell that that he got injured, like they transitioned the story and he really like he's a vet like Tom Lawler is a vet and like can really like transition and just go with it and he delivered a really solid match like even after that point so I was just like damn like really good stuff from Tom Lawler really good stuff from from Bastard Cassidy coming in here getting injured randomly like super early on I don't know if they cut the match short but the match was very short um and they like they they still delivered even in a match where like a fucking really underaged like rookie unexperienced rookie got injured early on they still were able to like carry it and and deliver through to like a solid matchup like that's i mean you could see a lot of other people in this setting and everything would have just completely exactly. fallen apart you know what i mean yeah follow that up tankman eric stevens they come out this is one thing that i thought was weird jay rose Jay Rose had his shirt tucked in and was wearing a jacket for the whole night and then finally in this match his shirt was untucked so that Eric Stevens could tell him to tuck his shirt in that was very weird it was, it was like a, did, yeah, did you but, notice but that? also like the way they did it like I didn't like I was like what's he doing to Jay Rose like, like it was, it was like, yeah. like it, it looked very like it looked very weird at first I'm not gonna lie to you I was like yeah I was like where, yeah, I was like, where is this going odd. Yeah, they did not set that up well, especially because I could see them doing that if he had had his shirt untucked for the whole night. But this was the only match where his shirt was untucked, so it just made it very obvious that it was, like, part of the gimmick. But either way, we get into it. Tankman yeah, versus Stevens. I, 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 like I said, I, me and you have, I, have reviewed... I, I, I go first on this. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, me and you have both talked about Tankman... In the past, so you know this is nothing new to you, but like, yeah, let's uh, let's hear your takes on, on on this matchup. This might be one of my favorite, like, might be one of my favorite Eric Stevens matches since the comeback. Like, it's I was shocked at how well how well this how well this match worked, and it took a while to get going. Like, as I think a lot of Eric Stevens matches do, because I think he's someone like likes to build likes to build stuff up. But like, man, the way they got there towards the end, and him just like trying to find all these shortcuts to beat Tankman and Tankman just being like this unstoppable force that like, he just couldn't keep down like like it built and it built and crescendoed and like finished off like super well I was honestly like super impressed and taken off guard by how much I liked this match yeah I mean it is interesting to think about exactly what you're saying there because Eric Stevens, this is no, this is nothing like, rev- like a revelation to anyone who's been paying attention. But Eric Stevens is definitely a, you know, all Japan guy. He's a King King's Road guy, who's like, you know, grown up on that shit. He loves watching it. And the thing that I think people overlook, especially when you compare it to 2020 wrestling, we talk about like, when people talk about like the point of of Brian Danielson, um, his greatness is that like, you can see his entire career on film. Like, and he's one of the first wrestlers who you have everything from like his first match until his 
current matches at some point people said final match because you know he had retired um all of it on tape you can see every his entire career and he was amazing from beginning to end and like when people are super into all japan they don't really think about the fact that you're not seeing a lot of house shows you're not seeing a lot of like other nights and eric stevens is one of these guys who like he grew up and loves the all japan stuff but like doesn't realize that like that wasn't every match like the all japan stuff that he loves he like he tries to act like that's every fucking match and so when you're talking about it like every one of his matches no matter what has this like weird like insane grandiose build up and like he tries to do all of his stuff and like that's not how every match is supposed to be because like sometimes you can ha- but but in this setting where he's the champion and he's wrestling this fucking freak of nature in Calvin Tankman who like I again I talked earlier about Lee Moriarty being my number one. Calvin Tankman's my number two, maybe number one B, like number one A. Like, I don't fucking know. But, like, I talked about it. I went through and watched all of the Bizarro Lucha, like, back catalog that I could find on on IWTV just to watch, like, Calvin Tankman shit because I was, like, so into him. This was, like, early on, I think. It might have even been before quarantine started that I got into this project, but I wanted to see as much Calvin Tankman as I could find because I was just, I I adore this guy. So this weird thing, this weird quirk of of Eric Stevens where he works every one of his matches like it's an all Japan main event from the 90s um, really works in this setting because he's the champion and he's going against this fucking freak of nature in Calvin Tankman who, I don't know, Calvin Tankman's poise... He feels his, like he belongs. Like, his, like that's the thing. Like, like nothing yeah. about this felt like a guy that was like came in and got lucky. Like, he feels like a fucking mercenary that came in there and just like took that shit and just like he like belonged. Like that he was supposed to beat Eric Stevens and like that's the main thing I can I can praise about this is that like for this being Calvin Tankman's debut, like and Eric Stevens already being such a such an established black label pro black label pro guy. It felt like they worked it in a way where Calvin Tankman beating him made all the sense in the world. Yeah. It seemed inevitable. Tankman comes out, and it's just like, Stevens is going to try to ward this guy off, but it's there's nothing he can do. He's just he's going to lose to Tankman. And even in some ways, watching the match, I'm like, he might win tonight, but he's going to lose the title to Tankman eventually. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's just, it's inevitable. This guy is, like, just, he's a force of nature. And that's, uh, again, part of why I got so obsessed with Tankman when I first started to see him. I was just like, I have to see everything I can from this dude because he's a force of nature. I, I fucking love Calvin Tankman. I think he's so good. Like, his... He sells really well for a big man, but he he's also can come across. He, 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 he doesn't sell like too I, much, like you like you like you complain about with like a yeah. Keith Lee or something, right? Or like Jeff Cobb, yeah. another uh, one of my favorites, right? Like Calvin Tankman, like super believable, super unbeatable. Like you're not surprised that he shows up here and he wins the title in his first night in the company, like. He's just, he's an, you know, irresistible force. And he's so fucking good at it. I don't understand how this guy has this, 
again, we talk. Uh, I said it, poise. Like, poise, I think, is the word to talk about him. Like, Calvin Tankman is impressive physically. Like, the stuff that he can pull off, his size, his power, his agility, all of that stuff is really impressive. But one of the most impressive things is, like, his poise. He comes across in in every moment, no matter what he's doing, wh- wh- whether he's on the back foot selling or whether he's in control, he he's always, like, 100% cognizant of where he is in the world. And he's he's ready and he's, like, prepared to, like, come come up with like the next thing to do and like that's for he's like a counter puncher right like in wrestling he's just like such a good counter puncher so like coming out of the corner with the big fucking like running shooting star press like this guy is just so nuts and it just it feels like all eric stevens has is the the idea of maybe containing him like that's the closest thing that stevens has of control ever is being able to contain Tankman for for moments at a time but he never is in truly in control he can like be again like he can contain Tankman for a moment but he's never fully in control so again like that goes back to what you're saying it feels inevitable it feels like eventually he's just going to to be able to beat him because it's just that's what's going to happen and it's it's really cool it's a super awesome match like you talked about it being the best of Steven's return stuff and like that's crazy to think about because he had the yay high match, he had the Makabe match, like had the, the Tom Lawler the, the match. He's had a lot match. of really good stuff. Yeah, he's had a lot of really good matches with a lot of really great wrestlers. He really came came back with the intent of just having a quick spurt and then retiring. So he went out here and just like intentionally like got himself booked against like the biggest possible matches. The Garini match was really good. Like he had nothing but like super awesome matches against like top level wrestlers and then he has this and it's just like damn like Tankman Tankman rocks man I just I hope more and more people pay attention I don't know how airtight he signed up to a MLW but he's a guy that that people should be looking at like I don't know maybe he's not a WWE guy but look at, look AEW yeah, but like I couldn't if, if they if they pass up on him or like any anybody from that matter whether it's like AJ, Moriarty, Tankman, like, those guys right there, like, they'd be crazy to not try to, to, to not, like, sign all yeah. three of those guys that they can immediately. Because you know that WWE will. Right. You would hope that, that they would be fucking smart enough to see these guys because these are the most talented wrestlers on the indies right now. Like, again, like I said, like, these are the guys that I'm fucking excited to watch constantly. I want to see these guys. Like, they fucking rule. I love Tankman here. I love Moriarty earlier, like in the match with Josh Alexander, fucking like AJ Gray, like AJ Gray having the kick-ass match with um with Eric Royal. Like these guys are so fucking good. All right, so we get through the match. Tankman wins the title. Um, look, it, 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 more, more, Stevens, more. Like, yeah, Stevens does this whole thing, and then look, I mean, more briefcase bullshit. I guess, like I, I like. Yeah. There's a bigger discussion to be had about how like we like whatever like north like rest, like north North American wrestling like you know, also no, let me say U.S. and Canadian wrestling because I don't want to like put back put back put back put back and DDT like have been so influenced by the money in the bank concept, uh, which was yeah. in itself like after the first like 
initial one, and then after, and, the, and then a couple ones after that. After that has been such a lazy concept that like now, like you take away from this big Calvin Tankman moment and have Jake something who was a BLP regular, um, wasn't wasn't on that show, come out and uh, and take and take advantage and uh, drop him and you know become the BLP champion. Um, I will say I don't like how like this has happened to two black wrestlers in major indie yeah. companies pretty close to each other. Like, yeah, back I'm, back, I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about that one. But like, I like Jake something, so I'm not mad at him getting a chance to be a top guy somewhere. But it also feels like Tankerman was so good in the match that it feels like what the fuck, like. Yeah. But that felt the same way about AJ Gray. It felt like so cathartic when he won the title. It was such a big fucking deal. Nick Gage's fucking title went like title reign was like this epic thing. And then to turn around and have it just be shit like that one was almost worse than this, yeah. honestly. This one was like bad, but having it come right afterwards I also get was like annoying. But like the AJ Gray one was like such a fucking travesty. Because it felt Everything about it felt perfect at the time. And then, like, obviously the Folder for the Culture show ended up not happening. But, like, it... Could you have imagined if the For the Culture show and it's, like, in the the fucking shadow of AJ Gray having been fucked out of the title because that happened, like, right before it was supposed Mm. to happen? Like, uh, I don't know. Such bullshit. This was... Again, this was, like, bad. But Jake something at least felt like believable as a champion he's been built up really well in in black label pro and in general so it's like almost more acceptable i guess i I don't know this was not as bad but like yeah this was also like fucking dog shit and it's funny because aew on their most recent episode they referenced jericho inventing money in the bank (laughs) like you know like in theory you know how in theory jericho invented money in the bank which as you talked about, is like probably like one of the worst thing that's happened to Western wrestling in the fucking last decade, like that gimmick and that concept. But they referenced it, and they referenced it to set up probably the worst sounding match ever, which was like Mimosa but, but, but like, Here's the thing: knowing like clearly, like if you watch the video, like watching the video package and everything, like even though there's like a serious feud for Cassidy and like it's like a big rub for him, clearly that's also like a joke though. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, you guys are like referencing this like terrible thing that's like ruined fucking wrestling, basically, and like for a joke match, which like honestly kind of respect to AEW for pointing out how stupid like the 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 Money in the Bank thirty thing thirty is ca- by, like, thirty cases of the bubbly. Moment. Uh, like like yes. six hundred gallons of yeah. like they're not gonna get six hundred gallons of orange juice from anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's completely bullshit. It's just like uh, flavored flavored uh, or uh, um watercolor or yeah food color in, like, in like, water and like like Jericho was just like like the way I thought saw was like Jericho was just like so like. Full of himself, he's like, man, like I don't care. I'll just, we can, I, I'll make some shit up. We could just do this now. <laughs> I, 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 I liked it. Yeah, let's just fuck it. It was good. I, 
Again, like I said, I like the idea, especially because it this is a joke feud and it's making a mockery of Money in the Bank. So I get the idea of like uh, of that. Like I do enjoy that yeah. idea um, because that is it is funny, like you said, because because Money in the Bank has just been completely shitty and fucked up wrestling in general. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's it's this is the cash in concepts. Like, what was the last good cash in? Like the only the cash last in good the, the last good cash in was about. Brian. Because like that, because like that, that was the whole thing where like Brian wanted to be honorable and not cash in until WrestleMania, and then like slowly he just got more and more tempted to do it, and then at least like the slow yeah. burn heel turn, like which is maybe like the last like nuanced angle WWE has done because like right, you can't say Brian's wrong for doing it. He's a little bit of a hypocrite. He's not wrong, but then like as time he's going on, it's like oh this guy's actually just a dick. <laughs> Right, exactly. It was like, oh, he was lying to us. He wasn't wrong. He was it was the right thing to do with his title or whatever, but he just said he wouldn't do something like that. Right. You know. And the, and the, and I think uh, the, and I think before I mean, the, that was probably like the Punk one from two thousand nine. Well, I was gonna say the the Ziggler Del Rio one is always memorable just because people were so oh like, okay like that's like that's like memorable but, for like how much we wanted it, but then like the follow up got fucked because right. Ziggler got the concussion. And yeah. then, like, we can talk. We can talk about Ziggler's career, like, in death, because like I'm somehow like a fucking. That's a. That should be a psychology. That should be. Like an a, I'm of like a whole like Dolph dead. Ziggler historian, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Are you pro or con Ziggler? Because I've always been. I'm pro Ziggler. I've always I've always been pro Ziggler. I think that like. Okay. I think he got overexposed right. and like they put him in bad situations because like how many like. Like so, like people like get like get on him because he cuts the same promo every time. Like I've been here however long, busted my ass. Yeah. Haven't been, like and like people and like when the first time he did it, it was good, but then like they never capitalized on it, and he could pretty much cut the same promo for five years, and people like gave him shit for it. But it's like right. okay, but Becky Lynch can cut that promo, and then no one gave a shit. Like she pretty much cut exactly Dol- exactly right. cut Dolph Ziggler promos, <laughs> like. Yeah, well, and Dolph Ziggler's promos were always good. Like, every time I saw Dolph do one of those promos, I always yeah, liked it. You know, like, and so, like, yeah. yeah. He got the Rusev feud, kind of, like, fucked them. And then every time he had momentum, they never went with it. Like, they, they accidentally heated up him, heated him, heated him up again. Because after the, after the Del Rio thing, he was gonna floating around aimlessly. But they accidentally heated him up again with that Survivor Series with Team Authority versus Team Cena. And oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. overnight, he's the hottest babyface in the company. But then you know the worst match of all time happens, and like you know he dumped out like everybody else is, and then like there goes that. Wait, wh- okay, what? Do you remember the, the the Dean Ambrose World Title match? Yes, I do. I, like, where was that? In, where is that in the that's, timeline? That's that's that. I remember liking that's that summer twenty sixteen after the brand split. That was the first uh, feud, and like. Yeah, I like that match, and I like and I, and, and I like yeah, that, that build, like, and good. I like everyone else hates it and shat on it, and I'm like, I, I don't know why everyone dislikes this match. <laughs> yeah, I remember really liking that match, but that was after the Survivor. Yeah, that was that thing, was after right? all of that. So like when the when the brand split happened, yeah, I remember yeah. Ro- Reigns and Rollins are still on Raw. So like with Ambrose there, uh, AJ Styles is still is, is still is still tied up with Cena, so they needed someone to fill up fill the program. Uh, with uh, Ambrose for SummerSlam and Dolph as far as people that were still on the brand and weren't tied up into something else 
Dolph had the most credibility, so they just ran with Ambrose versus Ziggler. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I remember the context, but, like, for me, a lot of times time, like, time frame will throw me off where I don't know where things... I, like, I'll remember stuff, but I don't remember where it happened in the, in the like, the yeah. time frame. No, uh, that happened, and then pretty much afterwards, like I said, AJ was tied up with Cena. Then afterwards, AJ immediately won the title from yeah. Ambrose. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yes, I remember that. And that was at the time when when Ambrose was, like, felt like he should have been the, he should have been the champion because he was, like, super Rem- over. I'll, never, I'll um, never forget that they finally ran a shield triple threat. And no one gave a shit. And like it's yes, like, oof, man. Like yeah, like, let's let's get out of here before I talk about that. <laughs> please, please, please. Okay, um, where's sunscreen? I don't know if anyone has watched anything on it, but Dickinson versus Priscilla Kelly kicks ass. Really good match. Um, otherwise, there's not much else good on this show. I'm trying to look and see if I can find anything else. It's worth watching. Not really. Max Caster versus Willow Nightingale is okay, but yeah, Dickinson versus Priscilla Kelly is really good, and it's like the only good match on the show, so just only watch that, I guess, you know? But Priscilla Kelly is good. I like Priscilla Kelly, and I wish that more people would pay attention to stuff that she does um, and not think of her as just like a a gimmick wrestler, whatever. Anyways, Quentin, um, should we plug anything i don't know what the fuck are we gonna be we're, back we're, we're gonna be back I, like I'm, I'm at a place where like i'm like as long as you're cool with it i'm, I'm finally doing the show weekly again i'm into it i guess i i, I like doing podcasts with you yeah, it's fun. I, I enjoy it so. um i did want to give yeah i did want to give a shout out to some fallen brothers in the podcast game I meant to do this on the top but i forgot um jamesy is uh retired from the podcast game um so Give him the ten minutes. We, 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 we love James uh, and we, uh, we obviously we understand like yeah everything just became a lot like I said became a lot for us so I can't imagine like everything that he's going through mentally and you know whenever we get him back like I'll just I miss my friends so whenever we get him back like I'll be more than happy to, I'm more than happy yeah. to just like talk to my friend again yeah hope that he comes back soon uh, Joe from the British Wrestling Experience he's retired so. Tendel salute, man. Like Brit Rest, Brit Rest, like made people just quit. Like that was Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's rough, man. Especially when you were like really close personally. That's why. That is why people are talking about the like party culture of Brit Rest not being good because. Or not being healthy because people or even, were or even, so or even just the access, like Jesus, like it, was, it felt. It didn't feel like that yeah. long ago we were talking about like, like the David Starr interview on Post, like, yeah, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah. Um, pro wrestling only head honcho Kelly Nelson retired. Uh, me and you both did podcasts on pro wrestling only in the past, but me and you posted on pro wrestling only in the past. So, Kelly. Again, 10-bell salute. See you later. Hopefully you're back someday. Former podcast host of mine, good friend, Pete Schumacher. Got to give the shout-out to him. Retired really? Pete also. retired. Titans of Wrestling. Yeah, I guess I guess the Titans of Wrestling crew, the, the good ones, the ones who aren't alt-right YouTube posters, um, we're all doing the WorldCast podcast, and, and I guess they're all primarily... Retiring. I don't think Johnny Sorrow has said that he's also retiring or leaving podcasting for a bit, 
but because uh, he might still do some other stuff. But Kelly and Pete both uh, both leaving the game for a bit. Again, ten bell salute to to COVID nineteen killing wrestling podcasting. That's all I have, I guess, right now for people who are leaving the game. But um, you know, just wanted to shout them out at the end of this epically long podcast. Um, Quentin, do you have anything you want to say before we head out? Nah, man, I'm cool. I mean, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be watching wrestling more often now. And uh, sucks to see so many people leaving. And like, hopefully they come back when things are hopefully brighter at some point. But you know, for a lot of us, like wrestling is still like, it can still be that outlet, and hopefully it can still be that for me. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to still like getting back and doing this. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be here next time. Yeah.